to Dark Discussions, your place for the discussion of horror film, fiction, and all that's fantastic. A weekly podcast here. The discussion is about the most recent horror and genre films. Intelligent talk on a genre that deserves intelligence. A conversation between co-hosts discussing not only the film, but also the connotation that the directors and screenwriters are trying to articulate. When you want more than a review, listen to Dark Discussions. And speaking of perception, there's just one more scene I want to talk about, which is after Caleb discovers that Kyoto's a robot, Kyoto kind of peels off her skin, showing him what's underneath. Now, wait a minute. I know where you're going with this, but tell me you weren't already thinking this 15 minutes earlier in the film. Exactly what he's thinking at that moment. Which is he's a robot, too. Oh, I consider the possibility. Right, and that's what I like, is the fact that the writers are smart enough to know that this is what the audience would be thinking. We've all seen Blade Runner. <laughs> right. Exactly. www.darkdiscussions.com Wherever podcasts are found. Hello, welcome once again to Dark Discussions, your place for discussion of horror film, fiction, and all that's fantastic. I am one of your co-hosts, Philip, from the state of New Hampshire in the US of A, and with me in the state of Michigan. This is Eric. Eric, how are you, sir? I am well. Excellent. And in the state of New York. Hi, this is Mike. Mike, how are you? I am fine, Phil. How are you? Uh, good, good. And uh, just a heads up, Mike, uh, talk uh, as good as you can into that phone of yours, because uh, um, during the House of the Dragon episode, you were a little muffled, so hopefully we, we won't get that problem tonight. And because I know you have some technical difficulties with your new setup that you're working on. And then in the Commonwealth of Virginia. This is Barrett. Barrett, how are you? Good. Excellent. And we do have a special guest from the state of California. Hi. Who is that? <laughs> it, you, I thought you were going to introduce me. I have to introduce myself. I'm Daniel Lynch from the state of California. Excellent. Excellent. The one and only. Not, as far as I know. Actually, I'm pretty <laughs> sure there's another one. There's actually several Daniel Lynches. Uh, You're still the Texas. only. But I'm the only one in California. Oh, there you go. Uh, and so speak, speaking of uh, Daniel Lynch, uh, who are you and uh, what do you do? Since uh, you're someone of note in the in the genre, indie film and all this other good stuff. You got a lot of good stuff going. Uh, uh, yeah, I'm, uh, I, I'm a professional actor. Um, I, I'm probably most known for my work in uh, the Netflix cult hit uh, Circle. Uh, sci-fi, psychological drama. Um, fairly well known for Patient 7 on Amazon with uh, Michael Ironside, a, a horror anthology film. Uh, Lurking Man also on Amazon. Um, I just uh, actually shot an episode of The Goldbergs uh, last week. So oh, I'll be on oh, The Goldbergs cool. on November 30th, 8.30 p.m. Pacific Standard Time in case anybody wants to see me being silly i'm not allowed to talk about what i am or the plot points and pedophile it is got it ndas <laughs> the nda is a thing and then i just uh, i just recently just got cast uh in a, a hor another horror film shooting um next right. year um probably march or, or april in las vegas uh written by the the same guy who wrote patient seven a guy named barry J. cool uh, he's cast me and again i Probably shouldn't talk about the details, but it's a, a fun role in a, in a horror film. 
I want to mention, I saw that the circle was listed like on something I was reading. I can't remember where it was as one of the top 10 sci-fi films you should see. Yeah, it's, it's been on a, on a few of those lists and it, it always it excites me. You know, it's it's an interesting film because it's literally one of those films that you either absolutely hate or absolutely love. Uh, I, I don't know anyone who's like on the on the fence about it. I, I've gotten <laughs> I, I follow, you know, comments on it just because I'm always curious about what people think. And some of them are like, what is this shit? This is the worst <laughs> fucking movie I've ever seen. Worst of my life. And others go, God, this is the best movie. It's so intense. I just it made me think about so many things. So it's it's really interesting to see the responses to that film. <laughs> Uh, and I just want to let you know, Dan, I really enjoy when I see you responding to people who, who comment on, on Twitter. Um, cause I know that on, on occasion, uh, I've just tweeted something about something. And when somebody who worked on the project responds, uh, it's a little bit of a thrill. So it's nice that you do that for people. Oh, absolutely. It, 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 it's my pleasure. I, I, I love, uh, that people love it. it. It excites me. It was so much, so much fun to do. It was such an interesting piece. Anyway, and that's actually that's actually uh, how how we we met you, Dan, was because you that, saw that is you 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 wrote some things about my character that I that made me laugh. <laughs> I believe you called me a whiny bastard. Well, <laughs> you know, and, and you sure that pointed it out to me, and I went, "A whiny bastard? What the hell?" But <laughs> really, you know, you, let's face you know it. you you're clear that he wasn't referring to the character, right? <laughs> oh, I'm pretty sure. Ever since I met him, Phil, every time I talk to Phil, he says, "Hey, you whiny bastard, you want to come on the show?" <laughs> well, I, I don't say it that way. I, I say bastard, bastard, bastard. No, not at all. Phil's uh, Phil's always been very kind to me as a human being person, rather than a character person. Indeed, indeed. And and to be honest, if your character is that way, that means you did a good job because that was the intent. It was, it was it, he was written to be a whiny bastard. There you go. All right. So uh, a couple of other house cleaning things. Uh, today is October 27th, 2022, that we're recording this because some of our listeners like Pam are always curious when we record this uh, because they don't necessarily have these episodes released immediately after they're recorded. However, this one probably will be released uh, right after Halloween. Um, also, uh, we do have a website, www.darkdiscussions.com, which is a website for this podcast among all the side podcasts that we do. And you can go there to listen to any of the podcasts. Also, we have an email. You can go to darkdiscussions at AOL.com or you can go to www.darkdiscussions.com and press the contact us menu choice which will open up an uh, email box. Whichever way you email us, please email us the topic. So, for example, if you're talking about Hellraiser or Friday the 13th or something like that, put that in the topic, and then we'll know that the podcast should get the email, and it doesn't go to a different podcast on the network. Uh, also, uh, Eric, what else can people find on www.darkdiscussions.com? Well, Phil... They can find a link to our Patreon account. Patreon allows you to financially contribute to our online artists like podcasters. Producing this show is not free. Uh, we have to pay for things like web hosting, um, 
uh, rental fees, computer equipment, so on and so forth, domain name registration, all that fun stuff. Uh, so if you would like to help offset the cost of producing this show, that's how you can do it. You can go to patreon.com slash dark discussions. Uh, and for every $5 a month that you care to donate, you'll have the opportunity to pick a topic for us to possibly do a show on. We take all the submissions from our patrons and draw one at random on a quarterly basis. Um, so you can head to patreon.com slash dark discussions. Or if you're on darkdiscussions.com, the Patreon badge appears on every page. You can click on it to go there. Indeed, indeed. And that's pretty much the house cleaning. So uh, uh, I guess we can probably get into our topic tonight. And that's the reason why Dan is invited, because he uh, texted me asking if I had seen or heard about this film. And uh, I said, as a matter of fact, we're doing an episode on it in a week and a half from now. Would you like to join us? And so Dan said, I'm on. I believe I said absolutely. There you go. (laughs) So with all that stated, Eric, what are we going to talk about tonight? Tonight, we are talking about a movie currently exclusively available on the Hulu streaming service, Hellraiser. Beautiful, isn't it? It's really nice. You can hold it. What is it? It's a puzzle. And it's almost finished. Keep going. So if I solve it, do I get a prize? I do. What's your deal? It has six sides, six configurations. It opens up, and it cuts you. And then they come to collect. It's time. Greater delight awaits. We wish to see you proceed. That's right. Uh, Hellraiser is, uh, I guess, a remake or a a reboot, I should say, of uh, the Hellraiser movie from, I believe, 1987, uh, Clive Barker's movie, which is uh, based off of a short story, The Hellbound Heart, uh, written by Clive Barker, uh, or I should say a novella, not a short story. Uh, This movie here is directed by David Bruckner, probably best known for such films as The Ritual and also The Night House and also the VHS uh, series. Um, the film is written by uh, a couple of guys, Ben Collins and Luke Piotrowski, who uh, can seem to write things together a lot. And they've written some pretty good films, including Siren, which was a, a film that was based uh, kind of like a sequel to the VHS 
uh, short that uh, David Brockman did about the demon in that one. Uh, I think that was called um, Frat Night or something like that. Uh, but they wrote Nighthouse for him, and they wrote uh, a really cool movie. And Eric loves me when I say it. Super Doc Time. <laughs> <laughs> I do love when you say that. Indeed. indeed. Yeah, so so the, is the... Is the Nighthouse the one that we watched earlier this year? Is that the? Uh, I think that was one? last year. Yeah, it was last, last, year. last year. Last year, okay. Yeah. But they yeah. did write and, that and, one. And okay, by the cool. way, Phil uh, Bruckner also directed several of the uh, the Hellraiser films in, in the middle. Oh, how about that? Yeah. So uh, Bruckner, uh, this is this is I guess uh, his version of the reboot uh, of the series. Uh, and we're here to uh, talk about that, which just came out on 2022 uh, this year, just a couple of weeks ago. And I can get that date right now, at least in the United States. And that was October 7th, 2022. Perfect. The Halloween period, assuming you are a fan of, I guess, this franchise. Because reboot or not, it's part of a nine film this is like what the 10th film in the franchise i think it is i think this is the 11th i think there's 10 and and that doesn't even count some of the little video ones <laughs> yeah yeah right all right and uh the film uh stars let's see who it stars uh stars a lot of uh folks that i hadn't known too well even though uh um they've done a lot of things uh odessa azion is uh the lead uh and then jamie clayton uh, plays one of the Cenobites, uh, actually Pinhead, and uh, various other folk. So we can go around and discuss uh, how we heard about this film and what we thought about it. And uh, let's start with you, Dan. You're the guest. And uh, again. Well, I think, yeah, it's nice to start with a guest. Um, you know, I, I, I didn't uh, hear about it at all. Uh, I, I was, as is my want, uh, scrolling around uh, my various streaming services looking for a, a good horror film to watch. And uh, I was on Hulu and I saw Hellraiser. And I went, what? There's another Hellraiser? Oh, you know. There's always <laughs> There's always another There's always another Hellraiser, and, and, and frankly, I had I, I'm not like a like a super Hellraiser fan. I, I loved the first three, maybe four, and I think I watched the fifth one. I might have watched the sixth, and after that, I I just thought it got a little formulaic for me, and I I, I really didn't want to watch any more of them, so I didn't. I, I have a friend. A guy named uh, uh, Dave Sacedo. He goes by professionally D.A. Sacedo. He was with me in Circle, uh, and uh, he uh, he just posted the other day that he was watching every single one of the Hellraisers in order, uh, which beyond uh, me. Anyway, so so I, I I was watching. I said, "Oh my God, there's another Hellraiser." I don't know. All right, I'll I'll watch it and see you know if I want to continue watching it. And I watched it and I went. Hmm, I'm actually kind of liking this. Hmm, I'm really kind of liking this. And so I, I watched the entire thing. That's how I found it. All right, so it appears you liked it then. I, I did, yes. All right, very good. All right, so uh, let's go with you, Eric. Um, I had kind of heard 
kicking around that there was a new Hellraiser coming out. And uh, to be honest, I wasn't terribly excited about it because I think I watched Hellraiser 1 and 2 and then really haven't checked out any of the rest because I have not heard good things about them. <laughs> um, so I was like, okay, another Hellraiser movie. Um, and left to my own devices, I probably would not have watched it. Um, but I'm glad you guys chose it for an episode. Um, cause I ended up liking it way more than I thought I was going to. Yeah. Um, me too. Yeah. I thought it had some interesting expansion on the original, original mythology. Um, I think it looked fantastic. Um, I also think it has one of the coolest character voices since Darth Vader. You're talking uh, about the new uh, pinhead, huh? <laughs> right, right. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so, so there's some good stuff there. Uh, I was also surprised having just, um, uh, having seen the sadness earlier this year and just gone to see Terrifier 2, uh, last weekend. Um, I'm surprised this movie could still make me say, ew. Uh, <laughs> I thought I'd been inoculated, but I, I guess not. Uh, cause there's, there's some, there's some interesting gore stuff in here too. Um, so, uh, it's not one of my favorite movies of all time, uh, but it's really solid and, uh, very much exceeded my expectations given how many Hellraiser movies have come before it. Uh, all right, let's go with you, Barry. Yeah, I'm, I am, a. I love the Hellraiser fan franchise. I've watched all the movies. Um, really? All been, of them? Wow. Yeah, I've watched all of them. They're all, um, you know, good or bad, depending, you know, on the, <laughs> which one it is. Those are uh, two of the three options. Yeah, most of them have something good about them, I think. Um, there are some that are definitely lesser. But this one I thought was a really good combination of, you know, it's a reboot. And it felt like a combining of the first two Hellraiser movies story-wise for me a little bit. Um, and I'm a really big fan of Hellraiser 2, and this is closest to that, I think. So I was really, really happy with this movie and how it went. I do think that it could have been tightened up a little bit. I thought it was a little overly long. Um, it didn't really drag for me, but I thought it could have been tightened up. The cinematography was great. There was definitely some really great gore scenes, and I love anything with the Cenobites. So seeing them in it, and they're in it a fair amount, which, you know, sometimes you get a lot less time with them. This movie definitely put them in there. And, of course, I heard about this film because I'm a huge fan, and I've been waiting for something else to come out that would be better than the last one, Hmm. which wasn't so great. (laughs) Uh, yeah, that, that, that's putting it mildly. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> very, very well, very well. All right, let's go with you, Mike. Yeah, I actually just finished watching this um, for a variety of reasons. I did not have a chance to watch it until today. Uh, and I got home at 5.30, recording at 7.30. The movie's, movie's two hours long. You do the math. <laughs> um, and... <laughs> Yeah, so I'm trying to so watching it while having dinner. Um, because I just got in, and maybe I, I may not have been as focused on it as I as I could have been, uh, which I'm going to put right up the front. So there may be a couple of things I missed along the way. I am a big fan of the original Hellraiser. Um, I like the franchise. I I binged the entire series uh, up to that point. At the beginning of the podcast, when I had a chance to uh, interview Doug Bradley, 
so I had some idea what I was talking about beyond the first film. Um, and yeah, I'm kind of like, I, I like the first four, actually I have a soft spot for the fourth one, which is Pinhead in Space. Um, (laughs) but for weird reasons, I think it actually fits this franchise in in ways that I don't think it fits some of the others. Agreed. (laughs) Um, because this is a thing that is pushing the boundaries of the universe, right? And, And, uh, and the later episodes become more like it's, he's less pinhead and more, um, Rod Serling, you know, he's almost like the the host of his own little horror anthology. And yeah. Really, yeah. and there's some of them, they're, they're okay. I even said it to him, I was kind of surprised, given how bad the reputations are, I was kind of surprised how much I enjoyed them. I have not watched the two Revelations and uh, I remember what the other one was. Judgment. Judgment, that had, yeah. where he was recast. Um it's really, it's not been for want, for for lack of desire. I kind of do want to see it, but it just—do I really want to see it? That I'm not mm. sure. You know, I just haven't been able to bring my, bring myself to do it. Uh, I was excited at the idea of them revisiting Hellraiser because I know it was something really was going back to Clive Barker. It wasn't going to be a uh, another cash grab or uh, well, we have to make something for three dollars and eighty six cents so we can continue to hold on to the licensing rights. Yeah, and Clive Barker produced this one, so. Yeah. Oh, so there are things. Yeah. So there's things I like here. I I I just don't catch get the same feeling from it that I do from the original. And it's it's always the the problem with a remake or sequel is that it's really hard not to compare it to the original, especially when you have direct parallels. Like in this case, the Cenobites, where it's like I just didn't find some of the Cenobites as effectively creepy as the originals. Um. But of course, it's part of its its time and place, right? That the original comes out in 1987, where I, I am in late adolescence, mm-hmm. and mm. and that that is in the also at a uh, in the night in 1987, a very different time, and so that whole thing felt way more transgressive than than I think they could do it here. You follow? Yep, I do. Yeah, um, uh, those are very apt points, Michael, and, and it's one of the reasons I love being on this podcast with you guys. Is uh, is the, the truly the interesting and erudite uh, uh, discussions uh, of these kinds of films. And I gotta say, I didn't like a whole lot of the characters in this, which <laughs> is another story. Um, if I'm trying to judge this on its own thing, and I think that's really what I should be doing is try to try and compare it to the original, but that's that's the easy and lazy way to do it. It's what everybody does. And I'm, my brain is just in an easy and lazy place right now. Does that make sense, too? Because <laughs> um, I haven't had much of a time to process it. Yeah, and you're still digesting dinner. Yeah, and digesting. Yeah, digesting. So it's okay. Um, I would certainly say if you're a fan of the franchise, give it a shot. Uh, I, I think the new Pinhead... Is fine. I don't. I do think that, uh, unlike say, Nightmare on Elm Street or Child's Play or any other of these big franchises, Hellraiser is less about Pinhead, and it's never should have been about Pinhead as a central character the way it became. So I don't think it's quite that important that this is a good Pinhead. Um, I think that misses the point of the franchise, or the, or of the story that that's just one. Uh, 
servant of the Leviathan of, of these explorers and pleasure and pain. Uh, but yeah, like I said, I think it's, it's okay. It had some interesting things in it, some decent makeup. Uh, and it would be interesting to see if they continue it. And I just thought the story, the story was okay. I was a little confused about one thing, which we'll get into. It's not a big thing. And maybe that's, I was looking for something more clarifying to me than, than what was there. Was it a, a, had to do with a, de, a, a device inserted into someone <laughs> that I'm not entirely sure that I was clear what it was doing besides. Well, I'll give you some websites to check out, Mike. It's from your private collection. <laughs> <laughs> Eric, don't answer that. You spent years cultivating. If it is, be afraid. <laughs> All right. Is that it, Mike? Yeah, I think that's it for now. All right. Sounds good. Um, yeah. So for me, um, uh, yeah, I, I think uh, uh, Mike, Mike sums it up pretty well, uh, to be honest. Um, uh, this one oddly focused on the regular people or the people that aren't the bad guys. Well, uh, the original and the second one, which are the two that I have seen, um, focus on on a lot of the villains as much as I guess the the, the good person and in, in the first one, uh, the daughter. So um, um, the transposition of focusing on the quote unquote innocence people. Well, uh, didn't feel as interesting as uh, it was in the first two films. Um, I heard about the film uh, way back, but I forgot all about it until it popped up on Hulu. But uh, I heard about it because of the controversy of uh, recasting Pinhead and not just recasting um, what a lot of horror fans consider an iconic actor and Doug Bradley, but also casting Pinhead as a woman. And uh, I felt uh, that worked quite well. Uh, so that, that wasn't a problem. And I think most people, since they've seen the film, uh, are not too upset with the recasting with a new actor or uh, the change of the gender of the Cenobite. Um, but um, the the story, I, I, I could agree with Barrett a little bit that it, it, I uh, could have had some some parts cut out because it is over a two hour movie and it w- isn't necessary, I think. Uh, so there's a little bit of padding. Um, but uh, I do think the film was was good. Uh, it was enjoyable. Um, it is pretty close to as good as the first two. I felt uh, if the perspective of who they were focusing on did change. Uh, a little bit that that didn't make it as good, uh, but all in all, um, I would recommend it, uh, especially if you're a fan of uh, the Cenobites and the Hellraiser series and Clive Barker. Uh, so yeah, that's uh, my opinion. One one thing to note there, Phil. I know what you're saying about the good and versus the the villains. There is a villain though that is undiscovered until near the end, so you don't know they're a villain. Yeah, I, or, or I, technically I, two, I guess. Yeah, technically, but yeah, that's true too. Yeah, um, yeah. So, so I, I guess, I guess in the the first one, we in the second one, we got to watch the the yes. the people, the real bad people working with the Cenobites, um, and I thought that was uh, 
uh, a lot more interesting and, and I guess spooky in a sense. Yep. Um, all right. So uh, that's pretty much our opinions on this film here. Uh, with that, uh, Eric, do we have a wiki or IMDb? Wiki, wiki. A take on Clive Barker's 1987 horror classic where a young woman struggling with addiction comes into possession of an ancient puzzle box unaware that its purpose is to summon the Cenobites. All right, that sounds fine with me. Um, yeah, and, and that's the thing, is that you, you, you can't really I could consider this a remake. It's more of a reboot or more characters in the universe of uh, the puzzle box where they happen to find it and it happens to them just as it happened to other characters. And yeah, that's the thing about Hellraiser is that it could be a reboot, but it could also just be a continuation too. Cause it's, you know, it, honestly it, it, it felt more to me, it felt more like a continuation. It felt like yeah, a, yeah. it was just a, a this, you know, a new group just, of people. We're, we're, this is, it could have been, you know, what, 20 years later. Yeah, I, I, I'm actually very glad they did not simply retell the original story. Yeah, as so many reboots do, which just pisses me right. off, honestly. They well, have themes I, from the originals, but not, do. like, outright redo. Like, I really like the the end scene and stuff like that, because it mm-hmm. just harkened back to the second one and stuff like that. But Yeah, and, and you, you'd said that earlier, Barrett, that, that it really is closest to the second one, and I, I agree with you on that. The, the, the first one was a, a very different animal, but yeah, I, I very much agree with you. Well, and for me, the heart, I mean, the thing I really probably love most about the original is uh, Andrew Robinson and his makeup, and that could be, it's like the the uncle yep mm-hmm. as frank and yeah. that's so well done that whole thing and i don't know that they could do it as well i mean they technically i guess could do it as well but you'd have to get the right actor uh and, and it, would be, it would just make it too much even harder to avoid comparing this it could be its own thing it could be within this that universe it it, it it, it could go either way and it doesn't really matter. Right. So, and I, so I, I think I like that. If I want it to be a sequel, it can be a sequel. If I want it to be a, a complete reboot, it can be a complete reboot. Yeah. Now, uh, Mike, uh, what was the name of that actor in the first movie again? It was an Andrew Robinson. Is that go ahead? Or am I getting that? Or am I mistaken? my day. <laughs> right. From the, the Scorpio killer from Dirty Harry. That's right. And yeah. Plain, and plain, simple Garrick from Star Trek Deep Space Nine. Wow. Wow. You know, and, and I, I got to say, uh, of all of the Hellraisers, of all of the ones I've seen, and again, I, a big chunk towards the middle end, I didn't. But of the ones I've seen, I have to say the first two are, are it yeah. uh, for me. And this one is, is a, a, a relatively close third. But it's not the first two, and the first well, the one, first, the first one, say, the original Hellraiser, was so powerful. Uh, yep. The two performances of the two lead actors so powerful, and, and, and I'm not talking about Pinhead now. I'm talking about the the, the woman and, and Frank, Uncle Frank, uh, uh, and and the the sexuality of it, the the terrifying sexuality of it, uh, uh, leading to to where it eventually you know takes them. Uh, I don't think any of the, except maybe the second one, really came close. 
Well, and the second one was so otherworldly yes, compared to the first one. It was like it, it continued the story, but it was its own feeling. So that made it so distinct. Um, that's what made it, it stand out on its own. I agree. Yeah, I think um, personally, I always had I've never quite grabbed onto the second one. I only watched it really once because the first time I watched it was in the good old uh, VHS days. <laughs> and the and the uh, so I rented it from the local video store, and the version I watched had been terribly mangled. Oh, that's terrible! So I didn't actually watch a complete version of it. So I was like getting like sixty percent of the film. So that's obvious. Now some movies taking out six percent does make them better. <laughs> uh, many, you know, many movies. Like, oh, like say, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> The Hobbit trilogy, but, um, yeah. <laughs> but perfect example. But 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 in this case, it did, and I and I ended up watching it uh, for the first time again about ten years ago. But that's the only time, so I don't know it nearly as well. Uh, but yeah, I mean, the idea of that you mentioned the, the the dangerous sexuality. Growing up in the eighties, you know, you could make a kids' cartoon without sexuality in it, right? It was just about everything had boobs. Um, but this was like the first thing that uses sexuality in something that wasn't in a fun way. You know, it wasn't like Porky's. It wasn't James Bond. Um, well, it and, cautionary and, tale like Friday the 13th, you know, where oh, you yeah. have sex, you die. It, this was a very weird thing. And especially, again, all, not only being of that time, but of that of that age of being like 18 years old when I saw it. It was just something completely different. Well, it explains well, so much a, about a, you, Michael. Oh, I'm, I'm sorry. I've just been I've been waiting to jump in here for a while. Go for it. Uh, uh, that's a that's a hallmark of Clive Barker, uh, and it's one of the reasons I, <laughs> I don't read his stuff anymore. Um, <laughs> is because most horror stuff I find uh, kind of fun in a roller coaster kind of way, um, <laughs> whereas his is actually disturbing. To me. Yeah, very. Um, yes, very. Like I remember reading a, a story of his. I can't remember if it's the one Hellraiser was based on or a different one, but I was reading a scene and it was starting to get kind of sexy. And then he like drops in that this woman has no skin. Uh, I'm like, oh, well, that's not sexy. Uh, so he does that kind of shit. Uh, in his writing, and and it's one of the things that kind of kind of turns me off because it certainly does the job of being disturbing, uh, but in a way that I don't find <laughs> fun or entertaining. Um, and uh, rewatching the original uh, with my friend Dan and his daughter, um, I'd honestly forgotten how much sexuality was in the movie, and it was actually kind of awkward. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> for who? So that was a for, for all of us actually. Um, so yeah, uh, so I just want to chime in with that because those are my thoughts um, about the the sexual nature of at least the first original movie. Um, I also want to say I want to watch that with my parents. It's it's <laughs> interesting that people identify the Pinhead character so heavily with the series of Hellraiser movies um, because. <laughs> that wasn't supposed to be the thing. Uh, in fact, I'm pretty sure the character's name is not Pinhead. It's a name that fans came up with yeah, for, fan, the, it, for it the character. A, a, a reaction to the fanboy stuff. Yeah. So uh, I think it's kind of interesting that, that 
the original story kind of uh, took a turn in the movie series just from the enthusiasm that fans had for one character. Well, you so, know, so Eric, Eric, that uh, happened also with Friday the 13th, when you think about it, right? Because mm-hmm. the, Jason was dead. And then they, after the success of the first film, they said, let's go with Jason, right? And so mm-hmm. it's, we've seen it happen in a lot of these franchises. Well, and you get to the third film in this franchise, and it starts to feel that way. You start to feel more like um, the the evil is glamorized a little more, you know, and it's more shiny and... Yep, I don't know. Yeah. And you're different. and you're you're waiting. You're going, where's Pinhead? Where's Pinhead? Money right. for Pinhead. Yeah, that's true. Well and, and you know, it um it is a cool looking monster and Doug Bradley, you know, played it r- really well to make it iconic. He, he did indeed. Yeah, so um, so, so Eric, I'm sorry if, if you don't mind interrupting. Eric, you mentioned something about reading uh, the Clive Barker's uh, uh, mm-hmm. books uh, and how you, you stopped because they were searching. How how early did you get into Clive Barker's books? Did you read Book of Blood and did you read Damnation I, Game? Um, I can't remember if I read Damnation Game or not. I know yeah, the, I read, I read I the last Game. book I tried to read of Clive Barker's, and that was The Great and Secret Show. Right. Yeah. Um, because there's a page about, oh, I don't know, 150 pages into that book. It's like a 600-page book. Um, and I was reading along, and all of a sudden, I had no idea what I was reading anymore. Mm. <laughs> so I, like, flipped back, like, 20 pages and to, to see what I what I missed and, like, read again and read again, and, like, all of a sudden didn't understand anything I was reading anymore and flipped back 10 pages, tried again, flipped back five, and there was just, like, this one page turn where, like, Nothing made sense anymore, so I threw the book across the room and never picked it up. I, I was just going to say, at that point, I, I'm definitely the guy who throws the book across the room and goes, no, <laughs> no. But, that was the last time I, I tried to read I, My introduction. As long as it wasn't an e-book, Barker. you don't want to throw an e-book. No, no, no. no. <laughs> you won't get it back. This is also in the 80s, so. Yeah. No, uh, uh, I, my introduction to Barker was with, uh, I read uh, The Book of Blood, and then I read Damnation Game. That's how uh, I did it too. And, and when I and then I saw um, uh, one of his first films, Lord of Illusions, with Scott Bakula. Ah, oh, yeah, I remember that. Great film. Yeah. Have you guys ever done an episode on that? No, no. no I love oh, that. Film. Do episodes on older movies. If, yeah, if you uh, if you all decide to do an episode on that one, uh, count me in for sure. I, I thought that was a really interesting film. Yeah. Really. Anyway, so so then when I saw uh, Hellraiser, I, I you know having read Book of Blood, having read Damnation Game. Both of which, you know, even though technically, as you say, Hellbound Heart is the uh, is the novella that that uh, Hellraiser is based on. Those two books were clearly precursors. Yeah, yeah and actually, the Book of Blood um, um, was a lot. A lot of people were mistaken and think that the Hellbound Heart uh, was originally from those books, but it, it was actually part of a. Uh, uh, anthology of, of stories with other authors. Yep. Uh, and so it was kind of interesting how that worked out. Uh, anyway, I've taken us off topic. Sorry. Yeah. All right. No worries. No worries. <laughs> uh, for for a couple of things, uh, for folks who are new to the podcast or not, uh, what we do here, we uh, don't only review, as you you've heard our review so far. Uh, we also throw up a spoiler uh, sh- shortly, I guess where we will talk about anything and everything about the film. 
uh, because we don't just review on this podcast. We also critique and dissect and try to decipher what the writers and directors and folks are trying to imply. So uh, a warning will be brought up. So if you haven't seen the film, you can always go and check it out when we do uh, begin to uh, talk about spoilers. Uh, but before then, uh, we can talk about general stuff, and we have kind of so far because we've talked about our experiences with uh, the other films in the franchise and the author himself and his stories and um, the Cenobites and Doug Bradley and whatnot. Uh, is there anything else that's general related to uh, the topic that anybody wanted to bring up? Um, I just want to mention that uh, I, I'm now a fan of David Bruckner, um, The Ritual, and The Night House are two of my favorite movies of the last several years. Here, here. Um, and he did a great job on this one, too. Yep. I, I really liked uh, um, the, the lead actress, uh, Odessa. She goes by Asian now. Originally, I think her name was Adlon, but she changed it. Uh, um, yeah, yeah, I really, yeah, really, man. really like what she brought uh, to the character. Uh, it's so central. Uh, the story is so central to her, and I, I just was really impressed with her performance. Yeah, yeah, she, she. Uh, I'm sure she's a chameleon and, and can play other type of roles too, but she definitely played uh, someone that you could feel uh, had uh, behavioral health issues, specifically substance abuse issues, and the the problems that she was going through because of those. Um, and, and she was well cast, uh, as a result. So, uh, yeah, cause her. if she had done a bad job, then this movie would not have been nearly as good. I, I agree. And, and on that same note, I thought that, uh, uh, Jamie Clayton, is that her name? Yeah. Yeah. Pinhead. Yeah. Uh, that, the new pinhead. I thought she was brilliant. I, 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 very different inter- interpretation of the character, but really interesting. Really, yeah. I really enjoyed what she brought, and her, yeah, her vocal energy was. Uh, I mean, obviously, it was. It's very clear they used some kind of a. Uh, yeah, a it was heavily processed vocal sure, yeah. device, but uh, but still, her performance was just really. Uh, I, I was impressed by that as well. Yeah, I, I also felt uh, Drew Starkey, the guy that played mm-hmm. Trevor, he was really good as well because mm-hmm. uh, he played the, again someone that was kind of nervousy, uh, maybe recovering from substance abuse and things of that nature. Uh, I will concur with with Mike, however, that the other three characters in in the in the movie that uh, had a prominent role were kind of just the typical, I guess, throwaway characters that were there to be, I guess, bodies for the monsters. Um, so, in other words, uh, the brother and the brother's um, uh, boyfriend. And then their roommate, the woman. Uh, I thought the woman was the weakest one because she just wasn't in it enough. So I didn't have any feelings for her. Like yeah, she, they, they, she, she was really in the beginning. Anything to it? Yeah. Yeah, you see her in the beginning, and then she's in the end, but not. She is in one of the coolest scenes I think in the movie, but she's not like prominent anywhere else. So it's hard to have any feeling for her. Well, it's also you have relationships. Main character. Main character's boyfriend. Main character's brother. Brother's boyfriend. For me. Yeah. Are right. you saying they were written as peripherals? 
Well, I'm saying exactly. it's harder for us as an audience to have an in with roommate. You know, it was really all we really got from that character. Right? That that she's the little bit of the, well, and it's, the, sar- the sarcastic female roommate to the two gay guys. Yeah, know? she's not really she's got no connection other than that. Like the you know, the brother is the brother to the girl that's got the problems and the boyfriend is her boyfriend and then the brother's boyfriend has a relationship with her still um, because he's going out with her brother. So the other one, she's just kind of, yeah, she's a fifth wheel. (laughs) Right. She's not like, you know, my best friend since elementary school or something that you could have felt more of a connection to. She just totally feels like the, well, really the, the fifth wheel out of this group of four characters or five characters. Or, or monster fodder, depending on how you look at it. Yeah, yeah. yeah, there's no doubt that the brother, the boyfriend, and the roommate were felt like monster fodder, I felt. Mm. But, um, again, you, you know, you, you only have so much time to develop characters, and, and like a lot of horror films or slashes or whatever, you have the monster fodder. So... We can forgive that, I guess. And 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 you know, uh, as long as we're talking performances, the uh, the villain. I'm not giving any spoilers on on who I mean by the villain, so I'm trying to be very careful until you give the spoiler alert. But the one who kind of starts everything, so we know who we're talking about here. Yep. yep. Yeah, who has the thing that uh, Mike was talking about? Implanted. Yep. yep. On the same page. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. So that villain, I, I, his performance was, you know, I, I don't know. I, I, I thought it was okay. I, I just, I, I, I think it could have been stronger. More. I, I, I don't know what it was, but I, I, I liked it. I liked what he did. I like. I, I thought he. He played the truth of, of his character. I just thought there was something. Well, well, he's from Practical Magic, and I like oh, him better than yeah. that. Yeah, yeah. He's, well, he's the bad guy in that movie. Yeah. Well, I'll say this, uh, Dan. Um, there's a pre-credit sequence, and he features right. prominently in that. And he was yes. really good. That whole that whole sequence was really good, actually. But you, I, I concur. Later in the film, when he yeah. he he appears, um, his his desperation or yeah. his villainous needs yeah. or his ideas of what he wants uh, weren't as resonant as they were at the beginning when he played that type of uh, uh, privileged villainous guy that he... Well, and the problem there is, again, you don't see his character except at the beginning and the end. So you don't know what he's gone through yeah. in the interim. Yeah, yeah. And, and that's that's what True. I think... I mean, about this film compared to the first and second film uh, from the original uh, group of movies, um, they focused on those villains really well. And here, the villain, like you said, Barrett, he appears at the beginning and then he just literally disappears for a good hour and and 40 minutes to only reappear at the end. And as a result, um, he, yeah, he's, he's not as, I guess, uh, of an interesting character as, as the villains in, in the first and second film. Uh, truthfully, I found the entire his arc kind of dull um, because it takes me away from the central storyline. 
And I didn't find him a particularly compelling villain because he was out well, of the story for so much. Yeah, that's exactly right. Yeah. And it didn't and it didn't it didn't illuminate anything for me. It didn't didn't put anything in sharper focus or explain certain things or And it should have. And it should right. have because yeah. that's that was kind of that's kind of key to the entire let let, let us say configurations. Uh, well, in, uh, of the puzzle box, it was it, that that word that you use, that desperation. That's that. Well, I mean, I I got it. I got everything up to that point, so it didn't add anything by making him the final reveal. Right, and if you compare him to like the Doctor in the second Hellraiser, right, you really get to understand that Doctor's motivations, even though he's not. You know, he doesn't have a huge amount of screen time. You get to understand his motivations, which really helps you understand his character. He's the villain, um, but you kind of see how he's the villain, and he's he's turned into a villain. Whereas this guy, I don't really see that. Yeah, yeah, that's that's a fair point. I mean, here we we pretty much knew the guy that was buying the box was completely evil right from the beginning well in the in the first film um we didn't even know what the hell was going on because again, <laughs> we were introduced to the box you know so, right right yeah so a little different um but yeah i mean i mean i, c- I concur with mike uh the first 10 minutes obviously it was awesome and then uh when he reappeared at the end uh, it kind of took away from the main storyline a little bit, even though. Well, guess, and what he's created in that mansion isn't even able to fully be appreciated because you don't. You know, it's just there. It's like a prop almost. It's not mm-hmm. you didn't see it being built. You didn't. It, well, it's understand. almost a deus ex machina. Yes. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So that it all goes hand in hand with his character, though, all that stuff. Yeah, yeah, that's fair, and that's the thing. It's it's that it's um, it's the setup. They're assuming that we're familiar with the with the character and the monsters and and the box and all that other stuff. So, I guess it, it, we could say it works in that route. But yeah, generally, it's um, it could have been done a little differently, I guess. Well, I guess yeah, considering how long the movie is, I think some of the time could have been spent instead on that rather than some of the periods where you're not getting any of that. Sure, sure. Yeah, yeah. And, and it would have been interesting to see his storyline a little bit, too, because um, the wealthy person that was interested in in some interesting artifact and so on and so forth that that would have been and and the quote-unquote hedonistic way things could be considered and on, I'm, I'm trying to say stuff without spoiling so yeah uh, yeah i think we're getting pretty close to that line yeah yeah um so all right so i guess uh we're we're, we're good to um i guess um probably throw up the spoiler so uh, at this point, we'll throw up the spoiler. So if you haven't seen the film, go ahead and view it on uh, what we would call uh, Hulu. Uh, but at this point, we're going to talk about everything and anything. So uh, where do we want to begin? Um, do we want to talk about the beginning scene and the setup, I guess? That's that's kind of... I think it's a good place to begin. Begin at the beginning. Yeah, all right. 
And it is kind of a classic Hellraiser setup. We've seen this before. You know, like sort of a the, the teaser, somebody finding the lament configuration and suffering because of it. Right, where the you have the lament configuration, somebody discovers it and plays around with puzzle box, opens it, and is punished for it. Right. Classic beginning. Agreed. Right. The, the, the twist to it being that someone has put him up to it. Yeah, yeah, I would, I would concur with that. And, and, and we're introduced to our, our, our number one villain fairly quickly. Yep, we are. We are. You know, the, 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 you know, with the, the young, uh, what, chicken? <laughs> Who's, yep. you know, obviously, this, our villain is a super wealthy, super well-known, uh, throws this massive parties in his amazing mansion. And everybody who's everybody wants to be there. It looks kind of, to me, it kind of, it kind of felt like a Halloween party or a costume ball. And uh, and this young kid is clearly wants to meet this famous person and this woman who acts as his lieutenant, the famous person's lieutenant, draws the kid to meet uh, our rich, famous recluse. You know, I think if they really don't want to drive home that he was a villain, they could have given him a sweater. I think that really <laughs> Or a sweater vest. Sweater vest. Yeah. Yeah, he, he was uh, pretty villainous. Um, I, I liked how they set it up where uh, his lieutenant, uh, it's this woman that's an attorney, uh, meets up with this shady guy in Serbia. Uh, no explanation, really. Uh, basically, uh, he has a... Uh, canvas box and he's trading it for money and um a lot of money and of course in the canvas box uh and we don't know where it comes from who it, it came from and why this guy has it but he uh, has the puzzle box that we know uh is a talisman to summon uh the cenobites uh, this is the the guy who's meeting up with Nancy Pelosi at the beginning. Yeah, that, <laughs> yes, yes, he that, does that, look that. like Nancy Pelosi. That's funny. Yeah, I guess you're right. Um, so uh, that's kind of where it starts, and then it flash forwards uh, a few days later to the party that you were mentioning, Dan. Right. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it's a, it's a pretty awesome, a pretty good setup. Um, and yeah, based off of who's at the party and who the victim's going to be, uh, we we can tell this guy's what we would call um, a uh, hedonist uh, type of a wealthy type of guy. And uh, of course, what he's doing is he's actually setting up uh, the murder of uh, this, I guess, gigolo to be a uh, uh, opening to get the Cenobites to come to meet him, I guess. And then we go to credits and right. And this up, and, right? and 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 the, I will say this: this is one of those moments. And, and it was by this point that I went, "Hey, you know, I, I think I might want to watch this movie. It's uh, it's got my interest." Uh, this is definitely one of those moments that harkens back to a lot of the classic 
Hellraiser themes, which is, you know, some hedonist uh, uh, who was using uh, his lures, uh, who was luring people in to uh, get the box to change configurations to bring the Cenobites and to move on. Was it really year. murder if the demons murder them? Well, that's murder. Good well, point. kill them. Because the demons, it's not them. murder. Yeah. <laughs> he didn't murder them. No, no, demon murder. Yeah. It's a whole different thing. If you're well, possessed like, say, by a demon and you I murder did, someone, is it really you? I, I, I didn't murder him. I just you're one of those Manson defenders, aren't you? <laughs> the, the truck is the one. The, it's not my fault the truck <laughs> ran him over after I shoved him into the street. <laughs> it was the demon! <laughs> so either way, it's a, it's a pretty good uh, setup. No doubt about it. Um, yeah. It really got my attention too, Dan. Um, if the film kept on going that route and focused on on the the villain and uh, the villain trying to uh, lure victims and stuff like like in the first couple of movies, I think I would have liked it a little better. However, like you said, Dan, they didn't want to just reboot the same, you know, redo the same thing we've seen in film one and film two. Right. right. They, they and here is, here is why. And again, I will, I will reiterate, I, I films one and films two part without exception are the, the, the best two of the entire franchise period, including this. But I, I liked that. They went a different direction on this. I liked that they, that it kind of focused on a different point of view as an entry into the world of the Cenobites. I, I kind of enjoyed that. Well, they even did something different with the box too that we haven't mm-hmm. really seen before, so that was kind of nice as well. All, all the, the 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 new configurations. Yeah, the new configurations, the little spike that came out of it that would yeah. cut into oh, people, yeah. and yeah, fucking the whole that. <laughs> yeah, the whole idea of the different victims that she was supposed to bring and all that. Yeah, kind of uh, added to the mythology. That is true. Yeah, that is fair. Um. All right, so where do we want to go from here? Do we want to uh, discuss? Um, well, I mean, I think uh, that that pretty much kind of sums up the 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 opening segment to the or or, or the introduction of the concepts uh, before you move on to to as we said to the other side of the coin, which is which is her introduction uh, into. Well, the- and you get the chains too in the very beginning, so yes, you, get, you do. You get introduced pretty quick to what you're expecting in some ways, so. Yeah, the the chains and the opening of the of the world, right? The, the, yeah. The, yeah. The, the opening of the Cenobites, how they come uh, into our world through their parallel dimensions. Uh, so they right. Well, this is huh? This is what we see in the the original, right? As he opens up the lament configuration, and you see the chains come in and tear his flesh apart. Right. Yep. Yep, that's true. Yep, that is true. Um, and, and, you know, that's, that's fine because again, this is, uh, Cenobites and even if it's a different movie and trying to be different, uh, the Cenobites do have a thing. It's like, uh, for example, if we did a movie about vampires, you're expecting to be bloodsuckers. So, uh, it makes sense that they, they wouldn't try to reboot how the monsters would do their things either. Right. So that was good. Yep. All right, and, so and Barrett, I, I want to Barrett. I actually want to address a question to you, since I think you're the one who's seen the most of these, or maybe you, Eric, as well, maybe. But um, 
were were the other hell, the later Hellraisers? Did they really introduce this concept of the Cenobites could get you anywhere at any place, or, or was this the first time that was done? Uh, yeah. I mean, well, it depends on how you view some of the movies, but yeah, I think so. Because yeah, some I of the movies the are more. Time. No, I think it's it's happened before where they ah. could. But, I mean, it couldn't really get them anywhere. The box and the blood had something to do with it, you know, in this, even. Yeah, I think they have to be summoned to a place, but they can be summoned anywhere. Right, exactly. And they're summoned by the box. The box, you know, is is nearby in most cases, or somebody bled from the box in this movie. Um, well, and there is a moment in this movie where he says, get, get her back, we need her nearby. Yeah. Um, so I think... Physical location is still part of the equation. Yeah. But it's the physical location of the box rather than the person. Right, right. And I think that's always been kind of the, the idea is that where the box is near, they can get in. But I, I loved, and as somebody already mentioned this, I, I love this, this whole new concept of the box creating different spikes that take blood and then lock you, lock you kind of bloodly into the uh, box. Yeah, that yeah. was pretty cool. That was, yeah. I, I really enjoyed the first that concept. I thought that was really interesting. And the way they, they draw our presumably innocent gal. Uh, uh, yes, she's an addict and yes, she's got history and yes, she makes some selfish choices sometimes. But eventually she gets to a point where she's just trying to do the right thing, but she's given no choice. And I, I, I found that an interesting aspect of the film, that she's she's kind of forced into these situations where she has to make the wrong choice. And eventually, when in the end, she does have a choice and she makes the one that she thinks is definitely the best choice. Yes, and I love that, too. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> I really like that, actually. I like that she made a choice that uh, she thought would be the right choice. And uh, and, uh, and as uh, with any choice with the damnation box, uh, uh, y y you know, there's consequences to every choice. Yep, sure it is. And uh, um, yeah, I would concur, Barrett and Dan, that, yeah, she made the, the choice. I guess I would have chose, that's for sure. For sure, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> So someone should probably talk about some of the, the more details that we're kind of eluding over right now, and it shouldn't be me. All right, Why shouldn't sorry. it be you? Because uh, I talk too much. You okay. don't talk too much. Right. Um, okay, so, I mean, she is basically, she's got addiction problems, and her brother, she lives with her brother and her brother's boyfriend. And I guess this other girl, that's where one of the things that was kind of confusing to me Um did that girl live there too? Yeah, yeah, she sure did. Okay, so she lived there. So all these four people are living together, and she has a boyfriend. We're opened up to her because she's having sex with her boyfriend. She comes out, and everybody's heard them having sex. Um, and so she's not doing so well. Her brother doesn't trust her, and she's looking for work of some sort. And this Trevor guy, her boyfriend says i've got something but i shouldn't tell you about it um and so she gets involved in this job with him where they break into this truck it's, it's truck right like an armor truck or they break uh, into the building no it's it's a uh warehouse 
with a storage container in the warehouse. Yeah, that's it. Okay. In, and in, inside the storage in container is a safe. Safe. Yeah. Which so it's a box in a box. In a box. In a box. <laughs> <laughs> So they they eventually, for some reason, I, I didn't didn't understand. He wants her to break into the safe. I don't know. Well, we why. find out why later because I must have missed uh, that. Well, yeah, since we're in spoilers, I guess we can tell. Um, yeah, he he knows that the thing is evil, and if you touch it and it stabs you, you're fucked. Oh, so, right, right, right. Okay, yeah. that makes sense. Yes. Yeah. Okay. So I was right, thinking but as we're watching break- the movie, we don't know that. We just think, you know, I don't know. He wants her to do it. Maybe she, she's an expert <laughs> at breaking into boxes, and, and, right? Uh, into locks. Who knows? She seems to do it very well. Yeah, she eventually breaks off the handle and is able to open the safe and gets inside of there. And they find the the box, the iconic box. Um, and he lets her take it out and lets her keep it, which is interesting. Um. <laughs> And I mean, since, you know, I mean, I'm a Hellraiser fan, so I know, you know, the how bad this box can be, um, you know, that part isn't surprising to me. If this, if I was a first time watcher, it would probably be pretty interesting because um, you really don't know what this box is and what it's supposed to do. Um, so eventually her and her brother get in a fight that same night, I think, because she comes home late and he kicks her out and she leaves because he tells her to get out. Even though the boyfriend of her brother tells her to stay, she still leaves and she goes out with the box and goes to a playground and she takes three pills and eventually she's messing around with the box and it cuts into her hand. And that's where everything starts to go bad for her. So if someone else wants to leave from here. (laughs) Uh, yeah, that's, that's, uh, well, what, yeah, what happens is it pops out the, the knife, but it misses her. Yeah, I don't. Yeah, that's what I, uh, yeah. that caught me off guard. Yeah, I don't think it actually cuts her. I think it. Oh, it she didn't. Sees it the, like she it sees the, the blade come out and she avoids it. And yeah, and that's. Yeah. Oh, that's, and that's why she becomes the key. Correct. But no, right. I was okay. confused. The blade pops out, but before the blade pops out, there's a hole in the center of the box. And she sticks her finger in the box, as you yep. do. Yeah, as, every, yes. as one would. Please, my finger must go in here. Well, no, because we all know that there's a chance there's candy inside. Yeah. <laughs> and and you could be summoning Candyman. But did she get pricked when she stuck her finger in the box? I, I don't think so. I, I don't I, think I, so I either. Got, no, I, I got a, my sense of it was what Philip said, I think, which is, the the blade came out and it missed her completely and that was a problem for the Cenobites. Well, the blade was no, I don't, I, I, I think, I think she got lucky, and the yeah. reason that she's still around and her brother got taken is because her brother gets cut. Right, yes, right, he's that's not correct. lucky. Right. <laughs> that is correct. Her brother no. is the first victim of the blood spike. No, because really, and and by the way, this is. Um, this really is serving as an introduction to this universe for people who do not know the Hellraiser series, or at least don't know it beyond its basic iconography. Uh, so I think this is set up to be instructing people who are watching it for the first time as sort of to the rules and maybe making some new ones up along the way. 
Yeah, I think that's right. Yeah, and I think it does an effective job of doing that. Yeah, yeah, sure. yeah, yeah, I agree. Yeah, it shows her playing with the box and it kind of changing configurations and yeah. Yep, makes sense. So anyway, so she she uh, uh, does not get caught. Um, um, and in, in, I, I can't remember if somebody does, 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 doesn't someone appear to her was I don't I can't remember if it's Pinhead. Yeah, doesn't someone the, appear to her before the brother or is it after the brother? Uh, no, they appear first. The, the first, yeah. yeah, they sure do. I was yeah. thinking he was the one with the um, the voice box was the first one to appear. Yeah, I think yeah. that's yeah, right. Yeah, I think so. That's right. Like, sort of like the, I think the, that's right. Yeah, you, you, over you've, you've seen it more recently, Michael, so you would know. Right, with the crescent over her head? Yeah. Kind of shape? Yeah. Right. And which is actually very more comparable to the the female Cenobite from the original. Yeah, I would concur yep. with that. Because you have at least three that I think are directly comparable to the original group of Cenobites. Uh, you have a, a basically a chatterbox, a pinhead, and I can never remember what the female Cenobite was called. Yeah, I can't remember her either. Judy, I don't know. <laughs> Judy Ann, I believe it was. <laughs> so that's your ex-girlfriend, and I'm like, Judy. <laughs> Ironically, actually, yeah, now that you mentioned that. <laughs> there we go. There we go. It wasn't even so just anyway, thinking about that. I was the box needs a victim. Judy Jetson. Yeah. Anyhow, the box yeah, yeah. needs a victim. Yep. In order to change its configuration to the next level. True. And so. Yeah. Go on, Jim. No, that's so. So then she she has this fight with her brother. She he leaves. <laughs> she goes out. She opens the box, and then something happens at the bathroom that she calls her brother to join her there yeah yeah she um she she may be all drugged up and he he believes she's all drugged up and he grabs the box and he gets stabbed by it so he has to go into the park's restroom which is surprising that it's open at that hour of the night because that's when uh, homeless people and uh, graffiti artists would, would, would destroy the place um, so when he goes in there, the Cenobites go after him because he had already been cut by the box. And as we find out, based off of when you get cut by the box from the intro, never mind now, you begin to have like a drug thing where, where everything starts going fuzzy. And then the Cenobites come and, and yeah, they, they stab you with all those, those cords and wires and whatever. Chains, chains with hooks. Yeah. Yeah, they rip nuts. your flesh. They tear your flesh. Yeah. The pleasure yeah. and the pain. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. Uh, Which, so, let's face it, is, is what this whole thing is about. Yep. yep that's true, that's true. So, um, so he's gone. And so now that's the mystery, is how can she go and try to find her brother and, and well, yeah, that. and the thing is that when the Cenobites take you, you disappear. You just disappear from this plane completely, and no one knows where you've gone. And this has happened before. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. So uh, that's pretty much uh, the setup. And now that that has happened, 
know into where did this box come from, who owned it, who owned the, the factory that they broke into. And since her boyfriend Trevor was the one of this factory or, or warehouse, I should say not factory, um, she gets him involved and 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 uh, that's that's where their search begins, right? And they find out right because because basically everyone so. thinks she's on drugs and she doesn't know what she's talking about. The police don't, you know. So everyone's saying that she has no, you know, she's clearly hysterical on drugs. No, has she's made this whole thing up, whatever. Nobody believes her story, and she she wants she wants to find out what the hell is going on with this weird box, and so she starts doing that research, right? Computer research, I think. Yeah, yeah, Google and all that. Yeah, googling it. She googled it. Yeah. Yeah. So, and discovers so that the woman, right? The 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 lawyer. Right. Yeah, the one we see at the very beginning, Nancy Pelosi, that Mike hmm. said, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's that one. Yeah. Exactly right. Um, so, uh, and that's that's the the first big uh, mystery, um, and uh, whatnot. So, where do we want to go? What do we want to talk about specifically? Is there any ideas that you want to bring up? What do we got? Well, right, I, I think got? I think all of this kind of this setup here uh, is basically leading us to the mansion you know uh, so her, her discovery of the the woman who who, t- who then becomes the next victim of the box if she tries to correct. take it right <laughs> yep. tries to take yep. it yep. she gets she gets the slice and then she's taken uh from the hospital where she's what, is Which she is, like a metal hospital or something i like think that? so well maybe not because she has cancer i guess but the well, interesting I guess thing is cancer that's right. The box is not near her when this happens. Because they've right. left and she it's later on and she starts seeing stuff. I thought was that's right. interesting. Yeah, she, right. well, she that's got what I was saying. by the box. Yeah. Right. That's, yeah. And that's what I was saying. That it doesn't necessarily now you don't necessarily have to be by the box as long as you've been cut by the box, as long as you've bled to the box. Yeah. Now you're 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 the next victim, period. No mm. where you that's are. a interesting inconsistency. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, it, it's it, or or we could say it's uh, new lore added to the franchise. Yeah, and maybe we just well, no, but ever saw it here. what they say later in the movie. <laughs> oh, oh, which yeah, is what they need her to be nearby. Yeah, that's a fair point. But she's so, counted as one of the three, right? Or is she not? Oh yeah, because her brother changes the configuration to the next level for sure. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. She's the next victim, so she's the second victim. And uh, what we what we discover is that the box needs five victims to complete the configuration, which will bring Leviathan. Right, uh, and we we discover this because Pinhead comes and tells her this, tells uh, our our innocent, our our leads. That this is what's happened now. You 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 got you missed the, you missed the cut on the box, so you got to bring us more victims. We need five to get you to Leviathan, and once you get to Leviathan, you can have whatever you want. Yep. You get you'll get your greatest wish, and there's what were the choices? Huh. It seemed like they had three choices: lament, Le- Leviathan, and what was the other one? I can't remember. Resurrection. Resurrection. Yeah. yeah. 
so she could have brought her brother back, I guess. Yes, and and that's and that's and you get the sense from the very very introduction of this concept that that's what she wants to do. That she's that she's doing all of this to get her brother back to bring her brother back because she feels yeah. guilty for leading her brother into the hell that he's in. Right. Yep. That's exactly right. Her her goal. And it's really the one she's least at fault for. Yeah, truly. It really was kind of an accident, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that is true. Um, so, yeah, it's some bad luck. There's no doubt about it. Um, but I blame the brother if he didn't throw her out. It truth. still might have happened because she'd have been in the house with the box. So. Yeah, yeah, that's true. That's true. Um, so that's uh, as the movie goes. Is there any, any any specific scenes we want? You know, we don't have to go. I, I really like the yeah. I really like the van scene. As oh yeah, going away I thought that was and, awesome. Oh, yeah, yeah, it's like the van is stretching and she's disappearing, and then all of a sudden there's just all blood and everything from what happens to her. Right, it's it's indeed how the rules of reality don't apply when the Cenobites come involved. Yeah, yeah. I thought that was a great, a great death. There was also an interesting moment that made me laugh um, because there's uh, there's some addicts and recovering addicts in this movie. They're all uh, they're using a whole bunch of uh, twelve step speak. (laughs) And at one point, somebody's tried to use the twelve step speak to to walk through what's going on. And she, the army character just just shut, shut the fuck up and get in the car. <laughs> that that made me guffaw. Yeah, there were a couple <laughs> of great. Yeah, yeah, and and what happens is 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 uh, they find the location of the mansion that we saw at the beginning. Uh, it's now uh, closed because, uh, as we discover, the the owner of the mansion has disappeared. Uh, which is the villain from the beginning. And, and so they decide to go there, or, or she decides to go there, specifically to try to figure out um, what this box is. Basically. She goes by herself originally, right? Right, and, and then they, they, they follow they because they she's up. fucking up. Yeah. Yeah. They, go, they go to get her out of there. Well, technically, isn't Trevor bringing them all there as sacrifices? Yes, he is. But we don't know that. No, we don't. Until we discover the man in, in the secret hall, which is our villain from the no. beginning. Yeah, what is that uh, noise? It sounds I'm like a zipper. I think it's Mike. I don't think it's me. Oh. Yeah, that's Mike. I mean, sorry, I was leaning on my, uh, my ear, but I think. Oh, okay. Yeah, Mike has a new configuration that he's working on. But, <laughs> uh, headset. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and so it kind of does make sense why they go to the mansion to find her because they think she's falling off the wagon in a sense. Well, and, cause she is. Yeah. But also Trevor wants to bring them there too. Right. Because yes. that's because he's yeah. in. Yeah. Yeah. So, so it make, makes sense that everybody gets there. It's not contrived by any means. Um, well, and is he the reason that the thing gets stuck in her back? The, the other female, the roommate. That scene kind of confused me. I don't know why. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Well, it was intentionally that way because basically the lights go out for a bit and he's the one that stabs her with the the device. I thought it was the Rick dude. 
No, it's oh, you're the, right. It's the, it's it's the, the villain dude. from the beginning. It's it's yeah. the guy who right. owns the mansion. Oh, it is him that stabs her. Okay. Yeah, he That's didn't really scene. disappear. I... He disappeared into the walls, and he's yeah. been waiting, and he's been working with the boyfriend, who it turns out secretly was his in his pay all along to get great rewards in order to help him get rid of the device inside himself because of his Leviathan wish. Uh, uh, and so he he's hiding in the walls all this time. And and when, yeah, the the roommate girlfriend is gets sucked into she finds a, a, a button that opens up a secret hallway. She goes into the secret hallway, it locks behind her, and then he stabs her in the back with it with that thing. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, because it was dark. So I was confused there, too, Barrett. So, yeah, I, I was wrong. I thought it was. Trevor, but you're right. My tough. first idea is never split up the party. You don't go on your own down <laughs> Norway. Well, that's that's a you do natural. Man. Well, it is a yeah. movie. Yeah, yeah, so. yeah, I know. No, I was having a little trouble figuring out who who it was in the walls until later when I saw him in better lighting. Yeah, my first thought was that it was one of the the Cenobites or something. Which yeah, I well, found. that was my first thought too. But you know that was and, and intentional. I, and, and I was actually thinking, but that was really. Kind of lame for how to handle a centibite, like creeping in the shadows. That's so funny. I, I had exactly the same thought. I thought, oh come on, a centibite is now breaking of the physically going to attack somebody like that. That doesn't make sense. Right? Yeah, exactly. So I was a little pissed off at that moment, and then when the reveal came, I went, oh no, that's cool. Yeah. So yeah. So so then it turns out that this villain from the very beginning has always been there. He got he made a wish. Uh, he made he got to his presumably he got to his Leviathan configuration and he what did he wish for he, he wished for I thought pleasure sensation. right pleasure right yeah yeah or, or sensation sensation you know yeah and, yeah. and so but he thought he it was going to be pleasure yeah he thought it was going to be oh ultimate pleasure all the time and instead they gave him constant pain they put a a clock like device through his body which constantly triggers pain constantly every second or so he's well my interpretation was that it was like a gearbox that was attached to his nerves yeah 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 yeah, that's even a better description in place of part of his spinal cord yeah (laughs) it was pretty cool device i actually it was i thought that was was a pretty cool device mind you i I wouldn't want one yeah i've always thought clive barker's version of hell is interesting yeah um because it's it has mechanical devices rather than just organic or rocks or fire. It's it's kind of like a steampunky type of world. Well, and it's more ordered and um, more ordered, but evil. Yeah, yeah, and it, it is interesting too the the machines because or the tools or or whatever because you know we we always think humans you know were the ones that make machines but it, it never occurred to me until 1987 and after when when I was watching a uh, reading Barker stuff that how the demons could could have machines as well and so I thought there was a interesting concept so, I, i've always loved and that's one of my favorite things about the whole hellraiser franchise is i've always loved the um the imbuing of organics with yeah mechanisms uh, uh you know like the, the, the 
it made me laugh, but the the CD thrower. Yes. <laughs> from three, right? That's in three. I think yeah. it was either three or four. Yeah, I think it was three. It was three. Yeah. The fourth one yeah. was the history of the box. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So it was three. But I, you know, but 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 they were. It was always really interesting to see how they what uh, what mechanics uh, got imbued into the into the or, or organic uh, organism. Well, so. Clive Barker has a unique. Uh, sensibility and it's not for everybody and i've already that, admitted that it's not really that, for me you know but interesting you can argue that it's not original uh, interesting that you said that I, I was reading something about clive barker that kind of was surprised me and it was it, i'm trying to find it now and damned if i can but he he uh you know he was the executive producer on gods and monsters right academy award-winning film no i did not know that about james whale about the, the director of frankenstein yeah, I, I and then he was asked about you know why he was attracted to that project, and he said something along the lines of like, "Damn, I, I wish I had the quote up handy. I don't, but it was something along the lines of, whale was gay, I'm gay. Whale directed horror fiction, horror films. I direct horror films, and then there was a third level, a third thing that he said that whales like this, and I like this. So it seemed like a natural draw to me. But interesting comment." Yeah, it is. Interesting. Yeah, and, Mr. and he had my understanding. Outside of being gay, he had some interesting, not whale Barker, had some interesting sexual proclivities, which is where. Yes, well, that, that would explain a lot, wouldn't it? Right. I mean, because I, I don't know if that his depiction of hell is his depiction of hell. Uh, the pleasure and the pain, huh? Exactly. Uh, so back to the movie. Go go together very well. I digress again. Told you I talk too much. Well, yeah, I, I mean, uh, for folks who are, you don't talk too much, you just talk about the wrong stuff. Exactly. <laughs> well, for folks who who are are familiar with Barker's stuff, yeah, a lot of his horror, uh, specifically, um, which is mostly uh, the written word, is is uh body horror yep yeah you know so uh this, this film read. yeah so yeah. This, this film shows a a good interest in that and it all, and a lot of his horror too um has a uh, as mike mentions a sexual undertone if not overtone um and and again this movie does as well pain and pleasure and all that stuff um, not nearly as much as the original Right, that's true. Again, because they're not focusing on the villains, right? If, because in the, the originals, the villains were—that's what they were searching for. While here, <laughs> it's just some poor slob that got stuck in in a trap set up by her supposed boyfriend. Mm-hmm. Right. I will say that I thought actually when, when the most interesting moment of the movie for me was at the end when she, um declines the gift <laughs> mm-hmm. she's just like no i don't want any of it um and Your the cenobites stuff <laughs> the, the cenobites feel uh immense sympathy for her and and say that she has chosen the lament configuration so to the cenobites just our normal existence uh is something to be pitied and lament yeah, I, I love that. That was really and, and interesting. I, I agree with you. I thought that was probably one of the more pinnacle moments of the entire film was yes. that statement, 
that uh, that you oh so you're choosing nothing so you're just choosing to lament for your brother to constantly spend all the rest of your days knowing that you were the cause of this and and live with that huh yeah good choice yeah it was a really good closeout for for everything that came before it yeah yeah all right so going back to plot line since sure. i'm the purpose who constantly digresses off. So, so we find out that the 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 guy from the beginning has been living in the walls. That he's got this weird device inside him that causes him constant pain, and he doesn't want it anymore. And so he paid off her boyfriend to drag her into this thing to get innocence to fill the to fill the blood so that the configurations constantly change to get to the Leviathan configuration, and so that he can get what he wants. And another point we maybe need to bring up, just this, I wasn't, okay, it needs to be brought up, was that the, the, the original villain in his mansion had created this cage that locked Cenobites out. He created a, a, an area within his core space for the puzzle box that didn't allow Cenobites to come in. And that plays a big part in like in their their they try to use all of the, the ones who are surviving, which is the the lead and uh, at, at this point I think it's Trevor and the boyfriend's boyfriend, the brother's boyfriend, and of course our villain. They're all trapped in this. They're, they're all locked into this cage and are using the cage to keep the Cenobites out. Is that right? Yeah, it actually made me think, and I don't know why, a little bit of like a Faraday cage, you know, it's that. Yeah. Uh, it, it, it's not because there's nothing electrical about it. <laughs> you know, it's just uh, the Cenobites are not made of electricity. Not as far <laughs> as I know. Uh, but it's the sort of idea like that it's building this. Using, I guess, wrought iron or something to keep keep the demons out. Right. And we're not really we're not really given an explanation of what it's made of or why it works uh, other than he created it and it works. And that's all we need. Willing suspension of disbelief. Exactly. If you can live in a world with demons, you can live in a world where demons are kept out by rings of salts or iron cages, (laughs) whatever. Exactly. So so then it becomes and I, I like this aspect of the film as well. I, I, I enjoyed this portion of the film. I, I liked the the kind of cat and mouse aspect uh, of this, that the, that they were, you know, you're 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 kind of with the, the heroine. You're trying to save her the last remaining friend so that the box never reaches configuration. The bad guy wants it to reach the configuration and they're playing this kind of cat and mouse game with the Cenobites and the cage, uh, how they're going to get in. Are they going to get in? Are they not going to get in? And of course, eventually they do get in and, and create havoc. And I, I really enjoyed that portion. Yeah. I thought it was interesting how our main character, um, actually caught the Cenobites in a logic trap. <laughs> yes. It was like, no, you said, and they were like, uh, yeah, uh, okay. <laughs> yeah, we did say that. Yeah, well, and, and you know, it's funny, too, is that the Cenobites, they, uh, even though they're smart and they have their own free will, they also are, are weak because 
they know they're going into our trap, but it doesn't matter because the, the thirst for the soul or whatever they're looking for is more important. So they, if, if everything worked out right, they didn't have um, Trevor backstabbing them and the guy in the walls there. They could have probably taken out all the, the centibites. She she had a she had a a, pl- a plan to do it. She she could have done it because she figured out that you just stab the centibites mm-hmm. and that works as well. Um, and and they will come. They weren't trying to avoid her either, right? They were still coming after her, right? Even though they knew that they could be victims to the the fox, right? They saw the cheddar get taken. Exactly. Exactly. Yes, and and that is that uh, that is the aspect of that's the cat and mouse I'm talking about that I really enjoyed. Thought it was interesting. By the way, I think the cheddar is the creepiest out of all the Cenobites, man. Yeah, I hate that. Something oh, about yeah. that clicking noise just creeps me the hell out. Yeah, totally agree. Um, I actually I do find the original Chatterbox creepier for me. This one, it was the the breather. Mm-hmm. The, yeah, the longer. Yeah. Yeah, that, that's a that was a good one. Where the, it looked like the lungs were out of the, I pulled out the back like a blood, blood eagle. Yeah. Um, and then the hands were like just tied to the chest with, you know, it looks like somebody was, uh, like suffocating him with something pulled yeah. over his face. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Great. Great concept. Yeah, that was horrific awesome. concept. Yeah. Yeah. So well, then. Yeah. Go on. <laughs> no, no, you go. I was just going to say, uh, for a minor tangent, because Mike brought it up, it was a, a pretty good uh, side topic. Uh, comparing the the monsters in this one versus the monsters in the original. Yeah. What, what did you guys you guys guys think? Uh, how well were these compared to the original? Um, I think. I think the 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 original at least I, I felt I could see more clearly, and I could identify them a little more clearly as well. Um, but maybe it was just because here they had a lot of the the cinnabite parts in the shadows. Though I did like in this one here, you could tell the male and female cinnabites based off of. Um, their, their shapes, you know, the hourglass for the woman and, and the ones that were just born and for the the other ones. And and so there was different aspects to both that made both interesting, I felt. Uh, what, what were you guys' thoughts compared to the original, these ones here? I, I think they were more in the shadows, like you said. I really liked when the final guy gets turned into a Cenobite by Leviathan. It reminded me of the Doctor in the second Hellraiser, so I I like that a lot. Yeah, yeah. Uh, well, what, I, I, what what Mike said, uh, I, I, there was to me. I I, I liked them all. By the way, I I thought they were interesting and and kind of new and different, and I I enjoyed the the different aspects of them. But there were to me the most terrifying Cenobite of all of them ever was Chatterbox. That one fucking gave me nightmares. That 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 constant chattering teeth it was just terrifying to me and none yeah. of these gave me that sense of terror i agree with that yeah well it's uh, also it's also hard in that 
they're Halloween costumes now, even if these are slightly. <laughs> That's so true. Right. I mean, I've 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 done a 5K with 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 Pinhead next to me. You know, it's just, <laughs> I remember that. Um, it, it's just it's just a bizarre thing. And so it's hard to have that effect. So it's really hard to put it on that same level again, that I'm getting a new spin on something I'm familiar with versus something I'd never seen before or never seen live before. I'd seen things like that in medical textbooks or, um, I did enjoy the fact that this pin had like removed one of her pins. Yeah. Uh, And then like one of the most interesting shots of the whole movie is that she sticks it through our, uh, protagonist's throat and we get an interior shot of her windpipe as the pin is going through it. And that was really cool. Yeah, I, I, I agree. That was really cool. That, and, that and was interesting. really freaky. Yeah. Yeah. That was, that was, that was interesting because pinhead was able to do it without punching her, her artery. Right. And and so it just made it more creepy and scary. Yeah. And, and, and like you said, Eric, they, they, they show it through, uh, like a medical camera, if, as if we were watching a documentary too. You know, it's not just yeah, like you're watching yeah. a surgery in process, like a, a yeah, yeah, medical documentary. Yeah. Um. So I'm looking at pictures, and I think we don't want to know. Yeah, I yeah don't no, I've, I've, that's, that's your private time, Mike. No, of the pinheads, <laughs> and I think like one of my problems, or, or whatever you want to call. It, um, was she not wearing anything? Um, what do you mean? Well, she, she, her, the original concept was she was supposed to have just like a, a barely any clothes on, and then they changed it for some reason. And here, what it was is she has, uh, she's almost wearing like a leotard. So her legs are bare, uh, but her upper body is not. Uh, while the original concept was she was supposed to wear like a BDMS type thing where her legs would be bare, but also her her boobs were supposed to stick out of the suit like, um, you know, some sex uh, dungeon thing. But but they changed it up a bit. So you're technically kind of right. And in the shadows, she may have been naked just so they could get the effect of the um, the hourglass. But when 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 she was uh, in focus. It was it was kind of like this BM, BDMS leotard. I yeah, it was like straps over her breasts. Yeah, the original concept. Yeah. Yeah. yeah so yeah, I, I like so I was going to say I actually, um, again, not a fair comparison, uh, but I'll make it. I, I kind of prefer the the the, the class book just because the contrast of the black and white. I think made the head stand out a little better and. I wasn't being I didn't feel like I was distracted by what was going on, which I felt like I was doing when watching her on screen. As I was trying to figure out what was the deal with her makeup and like I mean I saw this the throat was was stripped. Yeah. Well, yeah, I felt supposed like we wearing a white suit, which was it was it um was there supposed to be no clothes? I was and, and that, again, that could completely be a me thing. And again, it could just be that it's because it's a different version of a thing I'm already familiar with. And my eyes are immediately looking to to play sort of where's Waldo, you know, how, how have things changed? Um, well, and that's one of the things is that they did a lot more with like flesh being peeled back in this on all of the different Cenobites, I thought. 
more so than they did in other installments. And that is the part that made me go ill. <laughs> yeah. Oh my god, that's the part that made you go ooh. Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> well, when they were actually showing the flesh get peeled back, that's <laughs> that very end scene. Yeah, that's the one yeah. that made me go ill. <laughs> yeah. A lot of this movie made me go ooh, but you know that's why you're you're watching it is. You, if you're watching Hellraiser, you're expecting to go, ooh. By the way, Eric, your initials spell ooh. I forget the <laughs> you, you, you should know that. Well, if you skip my middle names. Yeah. I'm just looking at EW on my screen. I'm going, and he's saying ooh. And there it is. Ooh. Look who's fancy has to have more than one middle name. Not like the rest of us peons. Wasn't my decision. <laughs> You had very little to say at that point. Now, I, I brought us off the tangent just to talk about the Cenobites and, and comparison with the original. But, Dan, you were, you were about to talk about something right at that moment. Uh, oh, 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 was I? <laughs> yeah. yeah uh, I, I have absolutely no idea what I was going to talk about, Philip. All right. All right. So uh, let's, let's get into... Um, uh, well, we were, we were talking about how uh, we saw Chatterbox get killed and become the third victim, right? And then uh, that's when Trevor gets hurt because he actually gets bit by the centipede. And and at that point, I thought something was like he was going to turn into a zombie or be infected with something. But it appears, uh, unless he gets a, a infection later on from some yucky stuff from pinhead he was he, it didn't affect him that way at all he just had it as a as a flesh wound uh a bad one but still a, a wound um did anybody here think that it was going to go that way when for some reason i just thought when if they got bit or scratched by these creatures they were going to become like some sort of monster but i was way off you yeah. know I, I i didn't uh um I, I thought he was going to die uh, for sure. I thought for sure he was going to die, but I, I, I didn't think he was going to like turn into a Cenobite or uh, uh, be attacked by. Ch I, I just I just thought he was just attacked. And, and he was yeah, unless die. they really changed the rules, I wasn't expecting that. Yeah. Right. Right. Uh, what about you, Eric? You were going to say something? No, I was just saying I, I I didn't consider that. Gotcha. What about you, Mike? I, could say, I thought it was a... I didn't know. I wasn't sure where they were going, if he's going to end up being poisoned. Because maybe my memory of the Cenobites is, is wrong, but I don't remember them being particularly physical. Um, right, right. So I was just kind of surprised that he was biting into somebody. And then I wasn't sure where they were going to go with that. Yeah. Right. I think, that, that, I think that's, 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 fair. that's a, a fair... Uh, uh, I felt the same way. I thought that that was when it happened. I thought, well, that's kind of weird. I, I guess he's going to die. I, I guess they're going to kill him. They usually control chains and stuff. Yeah. And yeah. That. But I think, yeah, they usually like, I don't know. I'm thinking of um, the fourth one where they combine two twins together uh -huh. <laughs> into a Cenobite. So they usually uh -huh. like every, every man's dream. Yeah. <laughs> they don't usually they don't usually um, bite you and anything happens. I don't think they've bit anyone, like you said. 
but normally they're doing weird stuff to you and changing you against your will. Yeah, but again, going back to the third one, they did kill people with their CD yes. razors. So yes, they in the chains and stuff, but it usually wasn't like biting and no, flying or anything. Ag- ag- agreed. Well, it is a one of the weirder. I think the third one is one of the weirder entries. Yes. Oh, definitely. (laughs) And, and, you know, it takes the Hellraiser more literally where there really was no religious iconography really with the the original Hellraiser. It was not a, you know, literally from hell, the image to some angels to others. But, you know, there was then, then... the third film, they have him walking through a church and making the holy water boil, um, doing the Christ like, pose, doing the doing the Christ pose, pulling right? the like, thing out of his head and making them eat it, like right, like the yeah. flesh, yeah. <laughs> as as opposed to being a very secular sort of hell, which is what you get in the original story. Agreed. In the yeah. original too, yeah, agreed. Which is why. As much as I love the third one, mostly on a completely different level, the first two are still it for me. And this newest one is maybe, like I said, third for me. So going back to the storyline. So now he's been bit there in there. Uh, and it, it's basically it comes down to just the the uh, brother's boyfriend, right? He's the only one who's left. Yeah, 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 exactly. Because the. The roommate, uh, we, we talked about that awesome scene. Uh, her death was probably in the, the, yes in the, the in the van that can't go anywhere, right? And it yeah. just stretches to eternity, and she disappears, <laughs> and then comes back. And and, and 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 not only stretches to eternity, but also when it, they're trying to escape, they just they keep finding themselves on the same path. Yeah, which I liked. <laughs> nice metaphor. Yeah, that's true. Um, yeah, so. The, the, it's just the three of them left. Trevor's hurt, and then the roommate—I'm not the roommate, the, the the boyfriend of her brother—and then her. And she's trying he's, desperately to save. He's him. hurt too. He's hurt. Yeah, that's right. And she is desperately trying to save him. She tries to get him out, and then the really bad villain gets Trevor to try and go after him to keep him there. And then he, before he gets out of the house, he sees a Cenobite, and. uh yeah, it comes down to just the three of them left. And right, right. She yeah. still needs one more victim, right? And she has Correct. to make a choice between the two of them. Right. And then she, she has that uh, moment where the villain basically calls out Trevor and, and has that, that speech of, your this is the best deal his Weasley life will ever have or whatever. And um, And that's when she knows that Trevor... Is a bad guy, even though we we had found out maybe about ten minutes earlier when when uh, the villain confronts Trevor. Well, um, we kind of have two scenes going on here, right? So, like, the ultimate villain is in there with the Cenobites dealing with them, and then she's dealing with her deal and what she has to do. Yeah, yeah, that's exactly right. Yeah, so so go go on, Barrett. Explain what's going on here. And so he's trying to ask them to take away this gift that they call it <laughs> that that he's been given to feel pain and pleasure and whatever. He wants it to just be pleasure. So then he starts asking them to just 
let him die and all this stuff because he's just been in so much pain. Meanwhile, she's with Trevor and her brother's boyfriend, and she's being given, you know, you have a choice. You you got to finish this. You can either finish it with um, one of the two of them. And so she's standing there trying to make her decision, and you, you pretty much know what which way she's going to go because Trevor has betrayed her. And I think he knows that, too, so he rushes at her and conveniently pierces himself on the opened-up box and uh, kills himself that way. And so we get to the next configuration. We get to the next configuration, and she she basically gets given um, the wish because she gets it all open. Yeah, that's right. Um, yeah, and uh, this is when, when she makes that choice, right? Well, wait, but wait, the brother's boyfriend is also killed, isn't he, by the box? No. Isn't he the final victim? No. Trevor's the final victim. Her and the boyfriend leave together. Oh, that's yeah, the right. yeah, that's right. You're right. You're right. You're right. Two weeks go by. I forget everything. So it's drugs or old yeah. age or both. <laughs> right. That's correct. Yeah. So, yeah. So she gets her final wish. And basically yeah. her wish is to just not have anything. And you're short. You're short. Yeah. You're 100% positive that she's going to ask for resurrection. Right. And then, but then it's her. like. She see yeah they tempt her with it and but she kind of sees that based on our our arch villain who got his wish that it turned out to be really horrific and everything so is a monkey's paw yeah, yeah yeah exactly, exactly. it's a monkey well, she well, realizes well, I'm in a monkey's paw exactly right yeah. Yeah. and so, and I like well, that she's smart enough to realize that well and in her vision of her brother oh right that's right right he. She's, he's, he says something, or you know, like, are, are you Mark? Or, or, he said, "Do you want me to be?" Mm. You know, and, and so it's it's clear he's not, or might not be, that he's a figment of her imagination. Um, I mean, my own, my, I, I don't know. I, to, to me, out of all the monsters that we get, um, in, in horror, the the falling afoul of the Cenobites to me is about the worst fate I could imagine. Oh yeah, yeah. It's, it's eternal um, because it's it's first of all it's, it's it's body horror number one, but it's body horror coupled with eternal pain. Um, maybe some pleasure, right? But so part of me would be now knowing the franchise, like is she condemning her brother to an eternity of torture by not resurrecting him? But then that is a good she, question. But could she not? Could would you, or is he dead? Does he have right, the ability to? Oh, I don't know. I mean, let's let's right. face it. We, the franchise is very clear about this. He is in he is in hell. Yeah, and yeah. he he is yeah. living in eternal pain. There's no question about it. Whatever form of pain he's he's been given, it's constant and it's eternal. But what would he be if resurrected? Does, again, I don't right. think. I think that. I mean, I right. think. The audience is left with the realization that even if she chose resurrection and brought her back, brother back to life, it would not be the right. the brother that she would want. To right? Be what, would it be, would it be the shuffling sound on the other side of the door that is supposed to be the son of the, the characters in? The yeah, right. Pop, the, the monkey right. pop. Right. Yeah. 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 yeah exactly. Right. And I think that's that's the frightening thing is that the, the wife in Pet Cemetery. Yeah, there right. is no exactly. there is no saving. 
exactly. Right. And, and, I, and I think they make that very, very, very clear in the movie itself. I think that they make that point very clear, which I enjoyed. And that's and that we talked about this already. So then she's she chooses not to make a choice, which when you when you what's the lyric, you still have made a choice. It's um, come on. Rock and roll, guys, come on. You still have me? Uh, Rush. Uh, um. Oh, we need Sean Fox tonight. Yeah, uh, that's right. If you make a choice, you still have made a choice. Anyway, the choose not to make a choice, you still have made a choice. Right. Yeah. yeah. Right. Yep. Right. Right. Well, yeah, they, inform her, they inform her that she's chosen the lament configuration. Right. That wasn't what she said out loud. She said, I don't want any of it. That's right. Right. Yeah, yeah. If you choose yeah. not to decide, you still have made a choice. There's the lyric. Yeah, there you go. And 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 the thing is, is that that you know she's gonna hold the guilt because she, you know, agreed to break into that building, and and again, she wasn't expecting a possession of, of or a talisman or whatever you want to call it. She was just expecting find uh some jewelry or something but i could <laughs> let that go trevor's at fault but but for her to agree to go what do, to do it uh it unfortunately um yeah ca- causes the, the situation and, and gets her in to a whole mess that i guess wouldn't have happened had she called the 12-step program and, and not done a bad thing i guess yeah uh, i don't see the zach andre well, yeah, that's, that's fair, but but if, if, if Trevor was, wasn't involved, she wouldn't have been in the whole thing. Right, yeah. Exactly. Right. I still blame but, Trevor. But she had a choice, and she decided to do it. That's, right, that's and, and again, and it, Trevor and pushed her to Trevor do it. Trevor tricked her into it, but because, you know, he said, look, you're just trying to have the good It is all Trevor's fault. Straight. You're trying to be clean. You don't want to do this. I mean, you can make a lot of money, and you need money really bad. But you don't want to do this because you're you're trying to be a good girl, right? Yeah, right. I shouldn't really tell you about this, but yeah, well, I mean, <laughs> yeah, we we know we know it's his fault, and we know it was intentionally his fault. However, that's what's interesting about we will cho- choices like this is <laughs> she had a choice, though, yep. and, and she will. did not choose wisely. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So she she chose unwisely, unfortunately. Um. But I, I would concur with you, Eric, that she still is a victim in a sense. Uh, so that's true. But, but she'll feel guilty. I, I don't regardless. think she'll. I mean, you're right. She'll probably feel guilt. I don't think she should feel guilt. Right. I feel she did not create here. the situation. Trevor created the situation. Yep. Right. 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 What it is. Right. But is, but then you know, let's let's talk about human nature. You may not. Be, you may be in a position like this, even in in real in the real world. You may be in a position like this and where everybody's saying this is not your fault. You don't have to feel bad about this. This is not your fault. But that doesn't alter the fact that you feel this was my fault. And I and no, that's that's what I just said. She will feel the guilt, but she should. Right. But but you know what therapy is for? It's like (laughs) it's it's like, you know, choices that you make and or whether they were mistakes or it's like, oh, if I had done this instead. You, you look always look back and you and you feel guilt or sadness or depression 
Can you imagine the poor bastard that ends up being her therapist? I was just thinking about And that. then the chain. I was actually thinking about a comedy scene where a therapist and, and, and Pinhead are together. But, <laughs> but, but honestly, yeah, I mean, I mean, it, it is a, a terrible feeling that she's going to have uh, because she'll always think oh, if I if I had followed what was right and not gone in, even even if I was tricked. I, I agree. I agree. And and, and one of the things I, I in, in, in all seriousness that I really enjoyed about the film was that concept of choices throughout uh, 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 and, and and what is innocence. And, and I, I, it, it's one of the aspects of the film I very much enjoy. Indeed. Absolutely. Yep. What is villainy and what is innocence? <laughs> what happens when you make choices? You know, the, here's a the, the, our lead villain made a choice that he thought would lead him to ultimate pleasure and, and instead led him to ultimate pain. So, you know. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And, and he was intentionally murdering people. So. Oh yeah. He, he was, yeah. He's, oh, he, he got was, what he deserved. Yeah. 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 yeah that's true. That and true. that's, and I think that's, a, that's a, a, a big theme of, of Hellraiser throughout. Yeah. From, ver- from the very beginning. Uh, yeah. From the, and from the books, you know, from damnation game it, 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 and, and it, it, is you get what you deserve. Well, the other thing I like about it, though, is that it's also the ones who deserve it get what they deserve, but also innocent ones don't necessarily yeah. get what they deserve, but they right. get it as well. Right. Well, yeah, it's, like, like, it's like vampires, right? It, like you get bit by a vampire, even though you didn't ask to become a vampire, you become one. Yeah, right. Like, like, and, like, and honestly, I don't think solving a puzzle box is really real, uh, a reason to go to hell. <laughs> well, that's because you haven't tried to solve a puzzle box. Well, yeah. I'm just thinking. I'm just thinking, Clive Barker, because this is the 1980s, right? So Rubik's cubes were really big, right? Right, uh, right. Yeah. Oh, there's just, no question that would have been influence just, on this. Yeah, no. I'll question. stick with Wordle, thanks. Now, he was just now, pissed at all the people that could solve now, Rubik's cubes. Now, I think that's what. It now, <laughs> now, now, the, the thing that was interesting about the first film was the villain in that film. We we didn't know enough to be know if he was really a bad person, but we definitely knew that they were looking for pleasure. And it backfired on him. And then after it backfired on him, they turned evil. Whether whether it was easy for them to turn evil, or whether it wasn't, again we don't know. But we we do know that they got stuck in a situation. While this guy here, he was getting people to get killed so he could meet Leviathan. Compared to the first film, where right, but she was you know, in the first one. She was getting people to get killed so she could have skin. No, that's the second that's one. The but second in the first one, oh, that's one, second one. Yeah, right. That's the second she's one. She's getting people killed to get him out of hell. Oh, that's and right. And they had, they were kind of right. evil beforehand because they were both cheating on his brother, and yeah, so they were going down a road to hell anyway. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they were kind of immoral people. Yeah, yeah, but then they turn into murderers. After they they screw themselves and, and right. stuck with the the centibytes. Yeah. Yep. So yeah. the road to hell is paved with good intentions or puzzle boxes, or bad intentions too, <laughs> and puzzle boxes. <laughs> and puzzle boxes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Um, let's see. Anything else uh, that we have on anybody's list that they wanted to bring up that hasn't been brought up yet that or they want to expand on? Yes, Clive Barker said whale was English and I'm English. That was the third one. Oh, yeah. There you go. <laughs> Which is why yeah, I did so. Gods and Monsters. 
right, right. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, I guess that makes sense. Uh, yeah, he said, I just feel like I, I have this story. This is a story I should tell. Sure, is what he sure. said. Yeah, there you go. So I just, I finally remembered what the third one was. There you go, there you go. Now you just have to remember what the, the song was that, that referring to. I know you, you've found the lyric, but what was the name of the song? And I felt it still decide you still have made a choice. Is it today's Tom Sawyer? Oh, it could be. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You still have made a choice. All right, I'm, I'm looking it up now. You guys talk about amongst yourselves. <laughs> yeah, please. All right. So, so uh, Dan's going to look that up. Um, all right. Anybody else uh, wanted to bring anything else up related to this film, Car Barker or the Cenobites or anything like that? Free will, of course. Free will. Ah, yes, yes. That's a good song, actually. Ben? Um, as far as the film's concerned, I really just liked the atmosphere and the mood of the film. I thought it was very consistent and... It just it had a good look to the movie. It felt very professional, which was nice. You never know what you're going to get on these streaming first movies. So I was really pleased. Yeah, it had pretty good uh, production qualities. You're absolutely right. You, you never know. I mean, you, you know, because a lot like Netflix, you know, we know Netflix buys a lot of truly just buys independent films and puts them on. Uh, but some of them are actually produced by the, the studios themselves and uh, I didn't research this one enough. But to this know one was it. produced by by Barker himself. Clive Barker produced it, which is, I think, part of the reason why it is uh, um, so uh, a, a good entry into the into the Hellraiser franchise because Clive Barker's hand is clearly on this one. Gotcha. And, and the production companies well, is Spyglass and, and 20th Century. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Hey, also, let's something? remember the the last what. 93 entries of the Hellraiser series of the direct video anyway, right? Um, I mean, I know that the last two Hellraisers got like three screenings in theaters to say they were in theaters. But um, this has been a direct video series forever since Hellraiser 5. True. So I wouldn't even hold it against it. You know, it's not like, say, it was the first Halloween film that went straight to video um, or the first, you know, Nightmare or Friday film that goes straight to video. Hellraiser has been slumming straight to video since like 1996. Yeah, five. Yes, yeah, five, since six. Yeah, I think that's right. Yeah, sure, sure. Yeah, and you know, I mean, I mean, this one was by Barkner. Recently, but all his films have been bought by by uh, the streaming services. Both been pretty. Well, I mean, you know, it, it, it's one of the interesting aspects of just in general film now uh, uh, and in series now is you're seeing so much now that's just uh, that, that rarely sees theaters uh, at all or sees theaters briefly before it immediately is available on streaming services because the vast majority of audiences now are watching everything streaming. I have to say myself included. I can't well, and I think time I went into a theater. I think you're more likely there, it's more likely for some things to be produced that might not have been before because of that. Right, and as an actor, it, it benefits me. There, there's a lot more uh, availability to me as an actor now because things are. Uh, uh, it's easier to get into things that aren't uh, going into theaters. Yeah, yeah. And Although of, on the downside, uh, there's also like three thousand self tape auditions for each role, so. <laughs> 
Well, I mean, let's be honest. I, I was offered a bid to uh, on my last grocery list to try to make that into a Netflix series. So <laughs> um, if, if you write it down, they will film it. Um, they're so desperate and hungry for content. But, of course, the flip side to that is that it's that much harder to get attention. Right. right? Yeah, it's, yeah. Harder, it's harder for people to find you. Um, because no matter how much you tell people that, no, there's really good movies out there, you have to know where to find them, though. Which service? Um, which one do I go to? Yeah, yeah, that one. That's one of my favorite parts about um, the horror community is, like, I don't know about you guys, but, like, at the end of the year, uh, I usually hit up um, – uh, other horror podcast hosts and being like, uh, what, what do you got on your year end list? What do I need to watch? Yeah, uh, sure. <laughs> just, and just kind of rattle off titles. Yep. Seen that, seen that, seen that, seen, Oh, I haven't heard of that. Where do I find that one? Yep. Yeah. Um, Mark Miller who actually wrote a shark movie this year, but he used to be the horror person for, uh, in a cool news. He's doing his, he does an annual, 31 films in 31 days, uh, starting on September 30th and going through Halloween. Um, and just recounts the top, really the top 31 films and then 31 honorable mentions since the last Halloween. So he's in the middle of that right now. And, and I always get a, a lot of good films for sure. Exactly. And not only just to find good films, but to remember films that you would wanted to see, but you didn't get a chance to catch up to. Oh, yeah, that's right. I wanted to see that one. Yeah. Like, for me, there was the, the sequel to Wormwood, which we had talked about maybe doing an episode about uh, that came out earlier in this year. And I was like, oh, right, I forgot about that completely. And so hopefully now I can remember to catch it. Yeah, it's supposed to be pretty good, too. Isn't it? So the pros and cons of streaming. Yeah, there you go. All right. Uh, anything else anybody wanted to bring up? Um, I'll just uh, say that I think as a as a reboot to the franchise, I'm going to assume if this does well, however Hulu defines does well. Yeah, which is a really interesting question, yes. Right. That um that I think this is a good jumping off point. That they're that I don't think this is a perfect film. It's certainly not the best in the franchise, but it's definitely an improvement over well, at least the last seven that have become before it. <laughs> yep. So, um, yeah, I'm, I'm curious to see what they do well. And now also is now that since Hulu is owned by Disney, does that make Pinhead a Disney princess? <laughs> yes. Okay. That's the answer to your question. He must. It must well, happen. Well, I, I think it's it's actually a priestess, not a, not a princess. Uh, probably a Disney villain, maybe. Yeah, I, I, I you just stepped on it. Reaction he just had walked around I'm, Disney World. I'm just, just trying to that apart. I know, <laughs> I, I know, I ruined the joke, but it was. You, you pretty much ruined everything, Phil. Jesus. <laughs> I ruined everything. Wonderful. Where's what the box? Crew. What a crew! There is no respect here, Phil. None. None. None at all. Isn't it? Kevin ruins everything too. Not Phil ruins everything. Hey, did you guys uh, see Kevin can go himself? No, I haven't had a chance to catch up with that. It was a, it's an interesting it's an interesting concept, I, and it only it, it sealed after two seasons because uh, Margot Robbie didn't want to do it anymore. But uh, I think, but uh, it's it's an interesting show. I just watched um, uh, the first episode and the first one and a half because then I had to come here and do this with you guys. Then I got to come here 
and do this with you guys because I love <laughs> doing this. I Twisted love doing this. It's just want to make that clear. This is a pleasure for me. Um, but uh, 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 it's this new show. Oh boy, um, the woman who uh, may be possessed or may be seeing ghosts. It's on stars. I just gone. I've gone blank on the name. Uh, uh, Greg Kinnear is the is is the husband. Can't remember the actress who's the lead, but it's the, at least the first one and a half episodes were really fantastic. So you might want to check that if you can figure out from my vague description. <laughs> Mystery recommendation. <laughs> well, Greg you, Kinnear. You lost me at Stars. It's like the one. Certain yeah, right, right, and, right. and I don't either. But I, we literally bought it to watch this show. And as soon as this show's over, we'll probably cancel it immediately. I'll give you a recommendation, but first you must solve this puzzle box. <laughs> Watch out for the spike. There we go. Uh, anything else related to this movie? Anyone? Or oh, the franchise? Or anyone? I'm good. All right. I, I, I just will repeat yeah. what, what I think everyone else has already said, which is this is a, a really good entry into the franchise, much better than many of the ones that come before. It, I was surprised at how much i enjoyed the film it has some flaws i agree uh, but overall i really enjoyed this as a, a hellraiser film indeed and uh yeah for me uh yeah i, I was a uh, pretty pretty solid hellraiser film uh i've only seen uh the first two uh because like eric i, I heard terrible things about a lot of other ones <laughs> so i just i just never never bothered uh watching the others uh but this one um i like the director and so i said yeah let's do it and uh yeah, it was good. I was glad I, I watched it. Uh, what about you, Eric? Uh, yeah, I like this. Uh, I'm I'm not a diehard fan of the franchise, um, so you know I'm not jumping up and down. But uh, I didn't feel it was a waste of my time, which is a lot higher than I thought I was going to be on it. <laughs> yeah, I think that's a good description. Absolutely, uh, Barrett. What do you got? Yeah, I really like this. I thought it was a good entry, new entry. Um, Definitely beats out some of the ones that came before it. Um, I'm hoping for a continuation of the franchise because I've always loved the Hellraiser movies and I've watched them since they were coming out. So I want them to continue. So I hope this does really well financially. Um, if you can see the movie. And uh, Barrett, do you think the, any kills of the year in this one? Hmm. I don't think so. Not kills of the year. I don't know, man. There's a there's a bunch of other movies. <laughs> yeah, there's yeah. some good ones. Oddly, the one that disturbed me the, the most, even though it wasn't that gory, was the, the frying pan in in that Norwegian film. That just ah. bothered me. That that was really bad. I don't know. Yeah, why it bothered Terrifier me. Two still has kill of the year for me. So. What's that noise? Yeah, it's, we're it's hearing punching. Oh, it's yeah. me. I'm sorry. I thought I was muted. And speaking <laughs> well, you of you, Mike. Uh, Mike, your final thoughts on this film here? Yeah, I'm not going to lie. When I heard uh, Hellraiser is a favorite of mine, and especially knowing Clive Barker was coming back and that this has been happening for a couple of years now, Hellraiser is one of the last films that really creeped me out after the age of like 12. And so I was a little disappointed because this doesn't have nearly, it doesn't have that effect on me. But it is still an entry in a franchise I enjoy very much, and it is still one of the better entries in that franchise, even if it's not one of the top two. So if you like 
the Hellraiser franchise, if you have suffered your way through, say, the Hellraiser film that has Henry Cavill in it, then <laughs> you should at least give this a shot. All right. Sounds good. Uh, all right. So uh, before we uh, wrap up the episode, uh, Eric, you actually do another podcast with your buddy Dan. I do. It is a general interest podcast called the Scancy Podcast. That's spelled A-S-K-A-N-C-I-T-Y. You can find it wherever you got this one. And uh, Barrett, uh, myself and you and a rotating co-host, uh, we just uh, did an episode uh, on that podcast. What is that podcast? Halloween Boutique Psychotronic Reviews. Yes, and we just did um, Werewolf, Werewolf by, by Night. Night. Yes, and uh, it, it was a fun episode to do. Um, that hasn't been released yet, though, has it? Oh, Came yeah. This hey. afternoon. Yep. Yeah. Oh, okay. I missed it then. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, that episode's up, and you should listen to it. Um, and we have other stuff coming out soon. We have an interview. We're going to be doing the review of the movie, add those together, and put those out pretty soon. Um, so, yeah, we got stuff going on. Indeed. And, uh, Mike, uh, me, you, Barrett, and Sean Fox are doing a podcast on a television series on HBO Max. Yes, that is uh, one more week to go for now, uh, of uh, Destination of Dragons, a House of the Dragons podcast based on the House of the Dragons HBO TV series, which is a spinoff of HBO's Game of Thrones, which is, of course, an adaptation of George R. R. Martin's Song of Ice and Fire series. Um, we've all really liked the show. We think if you were one of those people who was disappointed with the way Game of Thrones ended, you'll probably like this regardless. And if you like Game of Thrones, you'll from beginning to end, you'll almost certainly love this too. So highly recommended, uh, highly enjoyable, really solid ending, um, really solid performances. Can't recommend it highly enough. And the podcast isn't too bad either. <laughs> Indeed, indeed. And uh, Dan, uh, do you have any uh, information about movies that you've been in that people should check out? Yeah, uh, I, where I, people I, can I, find you on Twitter there, yeah, and all this other stuff. Yeah, there's a couple things. Oh, first of all, the the show is Shining Veil with Courtney Cox and Greg Kinnear. Shining Veil. It's real interesting, but it's on stars. So use your judgment. Uh, yeah, um, uh, I just recently uh, was released a, a, a movie uh, on the. Johnny Depp Amber Heard uh, trial called Hot Take, the Johnny Depp Amber Heard trial. <laughs> I saw you did that. I was curious about I, that. I did it. Uh, I I I gotta say I I was invited by the producer I've worked with many many times. She invited me to audition for the role of I played um, Amber Heard's uh, expert, uh, Doctor Spiegel, her psychiatric expert. So uh, I I got a chance to portray somebody who really. Uh, existed and I just had a blast. Uh, it was just a fun role. So you can see that on Tubi. So free TV. With Go ahead. So it's on Tubi. It's called Hot Take. Uh, I understand from a, an article that Johnny Depp watched it also when it came out uh, as a hate watch. So yeah, uh, I heard that too. I, so yeah, I'm, my, I'm proud of that. No, yeah, listen, my, I, you know, a character is a character. Whether you, no matter who you like or dislike or equally like or dislike in the story itself. It was a fun movie to make. The The people involved were very creative. 
and the, I, I'm very, very proud of my performance. I think I captured uh, uh, Dr. Spiegel very well. So I'm very I'll proud of So tell my wife, that, if you will. I have to tell my wife because she watched that and uh, we didn't, she didn't know you were in it. So, oh, yeah, yeah. yeah how about that? That's pretty I'm, awesome. I, I'm in it. So you can tell her I was Dr. Spiegel, the, uh, the psychiatric expert for Amber Heard who talked about Johnny Depp being a, a, an, an alcoholic and a personal abuser. Um, so I've done that's out there uh, to be seen. Uh, I've been, I was invited to do a voiceover for a, a Disney streaming, which I can't talk about. Sorry. Um, again, huge NDAs I had to sign. Uh, I thought it was going to be a recurring. It looks like it may just be the first episode. I don't know when that's coming out, but I, and I'm not allowed to talk about it. But when I can, I will. Um, I've got this movie coming out. Uh, um, I'm, I'm involved in Steal Away, uh, which is, again, a film that's going to be shot probably the end of next year. It is a major motion picture. It is a $40 million budget. It is an amazing story about the Jubilee Singers and Fisk University about uh, post-abolition America. And it is a fascinating story. If you don't know about it, it's a really interesting story. So I'm very excited when that film starts shooting. Uh, I'm in a horror film that's going to shoot, uh, as I mentioned, in March or April uh, in Las Vegas. That's, uh, I'm playing a rabbi. So that will be an interesting departure. Um, Circle is always available on Netflix. If you haven't seen it, uh, give it a try. It's not the Circle. It is just Circle without the the, not the Tom Hanks film. Uh, I think if you haven't seen it, give it a try. You'll either love it or hate it. Uh, Patient 7 is always available for free uh, on a YouTube Kings of Horror station. And I think uh, there's. it's also probably available... Uh, on another YouTube station that's owned by Terror Films, uh, the, the distributors of the original Patient 7. Uh, Goldbergs, uh, I'm uh, in the Goldbergs on November the 30th, 8.30 Pacific Standard Time, if you're interested in watching comedy. I think that's something. I, I don't think you're busy enough, Dan. I, I, it's been a remarkable year. I, it's been a remarkable two years, uh, I, I have to say. I've been very, very fortunate to work uh, as much as I have during uh, all this COVID insanity. And it's it's very interesting what you have to do now as an actor to, uh, you have to get tested. Uh, they pay you uh, um, for testing, but you have to get tested and you have to make sure that you're, you know, tested 24 to 48 hours before the production. You have to show up wearing masks and you have to wear masks in between takes. It's It's an interesting process now, but I'm glad that they're putting those protections in for actors and crew. Is that enough? Uh, well, uh, where, where can people find you on uh, social media? Oh, uh, yeah, on social media. I'm available uh, as, as Daniel Lynch. I'm very easy to find. You can find me on Facebook. You can find me on Twitter. And you can find me on Instagram. Just type my name, Daniel Lynch, and you will find me. Uh, I'm very easy to find, and I, I'm, I, I enjoy posting. So, Yes, you do. And, uh, and it's always uh, fun stuff that you post, too. Well, thanks. Anyway, uh, uh, but more importantly than anything else, um, I am always so excited and so honored uh, when you invite me to come uh, and talk about uh, genre films and horror films uh, on your podcast. It's uh, I've always found the way you 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 gentlemen uh, discuss films to be fascinating and very in depth and always with a great sense of humor. So. 
it has just been a, a pleasure once again and an honor to to be here. Excellent, excellent. Yeah, and uh, uh, we always like having you come back again. We we, we know you're real busy, so we, we don't ask you a whole lot because, well, time is time, right? But time, we, time is most definitely time. But I was thrilled I got a chance to talk about this film. Excellent. Yeah. So, well, so we're, and I actually think that you would for to see it uh, the next time whenever that comes up, hopefully in a couple of months. But Mike, you were saying something. Yeah, I, and I actually think you help facilitate that discussion and help us hit, you know, deeper depths or lower lows, if you prefer. Oh, I'd uh, go th- I would definitely go with lower lows. Okay. But no, I, yeah, it's always a blast having you on. Always a blast hearing you on your project, uh, hearing about your projects and hopefully at some point seeing them again. Sorry, I'm curious about the Disney uh, uh it's, it's voiceover it's, project. It's, it's just he a voiceover can't project. talk about it, Mike. I, I can't tell you I know anything that. about it. I didn't ask you about it. I just said I'm curious about it. The only thing is, I mean, I know voiceover those that that can be done, you know, really long in advance. This was done you, very long in advance. It's a live action film, uh, and that I, yeah, that's I'm, they you would not believe the NDA they had me sign. It was long. <laughs> uh, this is this is this is the company that rhymes with Misney. Yeah, no, I can. I'm allowed yeah, to say that. I would totally I, believe that. Yeah, it's a Disney streaming project. Um, I, it was interesting because uh, when I did the audition, I auditioned for what I thought was a completely different role, but it was just them being coy. Uh, yeah, and, which they do uh, because they they're very secretive about uh, projects before they're released. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, and and the Goldbergs. I'm not uh, again. There's a big NDA that I signed. I'm not allowed to talk about what kind of character I played or plot points. Uh, so I can't talk about that until after November 30th when it airs. It must be hard to remember all these NDAs and what each requires of you. Well, you just don't talk about anything. Just, that's exactly right. Even if I don't <laughs> sign an NDA, even, like, for example, the film that I'm shooting uh, in next year, uh, Steal Away, I can talk about because they're all, if you, t- if you look up Steal Away, the movie, uh, on any of the social media sites, uh, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, you can see all about the cast. They just hired a one of the leads is a, a Tony Award winning uh, singer, uh, musical comedy actress, uh, musical actress, uh, not comedy, <laughs> an incredibly powerful uh, actress, Joaquina Kalu Aguilanca. I, I can't get her name quite right at the end, but she's astounding. They've hired her. So Steal Away, I can talk about. I play the Alexander uh, Alexander Stevens, vice president of the Confederacy, fascinating character. So that one I can talk about, but most of them, like the film I'm shooting in March or April, I don't know whether there's an NDA. They haven't given me an NDA, but, you know, they're very, I'm always very cautious about giving away plots or stories or characters without permission. That's pretty awesome, Alexander Stevens. That's pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah, he's an interesting character. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He he was actually uh, um, uh, interesting uh, prior to even before. Uh, uh, the Civil War, but we'll that's see. That's right. If, but, so you know, you know, Stevens. That's interesting. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. If if you asked me, if you said, yeah, I'm playing the the vice president of the Confederacy, I I, I would said, oh, Alexander Stevens. Yeah, it's yeah. just one of those facts. Yeah, right? interesting guy. It's a it's a it's not a a large role in the film. It's a, it's a one scene basically, but it's a good scene, and I, I enjoy it very much. And it's uh it, it's uh talks about the kind of the dichotomy of that character. So it's interesting. Excellent. Looking forward to seeing that. Anyway, so that's yeah. Yeah, I've been lucky. I've been busy, uh, but uh, doesn't mean I, I I don't really love the time I spend with you guys. Excellent. 
Right. All right. So uh, that's pretty much our uh, review of Hellraiser 2022. Um, so uh, people can check that out on Hulu. Uh, Bruckner uh, directed it, and the guys that did Super Doc Time. Uh, <laughs> they, they, they wrote that film, so they wrote it. Uh, and once again, we, we thank uh, Dan for joining us. Uh, we're hoping to uh, have him back uh, sooner or later because we, we know uh, the folks love uh, having you on as a guest host when when uh, you you appear people are excited so uh we're looking forward to that and i guess with all that stated eric what on you this up all right thanks for tuning in let's talk about hellraiser come back next week we'll have another topic <laughs>